One bleeds red and one bleeds blue. Two friends, one heated rivalry. It's intense. It's no holds barred. It's game time. On Red versus Blue Sports Talk Radio with your hosts Scott Atkins and Michael Trent. Scott and Mike and their versatility bring new light to many topics in and out of the world of fantasy sports. Guests can reach the show by calling 347-324-5404. Red versus Blue Sports Talk Radio, where Planet Red and Big Blue Nation collide. Let's hope they're still friends afterwards. Here they are, Scott and Mike. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Red vs. Blue Friday Night Football, wherever you may be. Thanks for making us part of your night. I am Scott Atkins, team legacy in the world of high-stakes fantasy football. Let's check in with the chat room here, the crew at Red vs. Blue. Henry Muto says, I can hear you. Awesome, brother. How are you? Richard Ross, sports betting man. Lance is in the chat room. It is a big night here at Scout Fantasy. It's an annual tradition here. Uh, Very proud to do it. Very happy to do it. Usually, we're joined by the big blue co-host from Brandenburg, Kentucky, Michael Trent. But uh, Mikey's got a little action at the bar tonight. We're hoping he can dial in. We can hit him with the buzzer meter. We can find out his takes for the draft. But I got to tell you, this draft is already underway. We've got some big guests lined up this uh, this draft. The callers from the league always decide to call in and give us their take. We've got Daily Double Jerry Bryant in the in the draft. We've got Hub City, Phil Hartledge with the two pick. The draft starts with Todd Gurley. It shouldn't be a big surprise to most of us after the year we saw him last year. Todd Gurley led the league uh, or was right there with um, Kareem Hunt, 1,300 rushing yards, 13 touchdowns, but it's the 64 receptions that make it so uh, amazing for Todd Gurley. The year before, we saw all the teams in the NFL basically stack the box on a messed up quarterback situation. They're kind of a rotating thing, but Jared Goff looked like an absolute superstar in just his second year of action. Uh, him, He and Carson Wentz look like they're ready to take the league by storm. And let's see if they can follow it up with a good sophomore campaign. want to give a shout-out to Roy Larking, my man in the draft room, helping all the uh, the draft participants, the facilitator. Uh, tonight, he's going to make everything happy and everything uh, run smooth for the drafters tonight. We also want to congratulate the three-time, that's right, I said three-time, three years in a row, champion of Red versus Blue, Blaine Para. He'll join us tonight, Canadian Geese, out of the six hole. We'll see what he does. And we're also going to see what he did last year because when you hear somebody that won three years in a row, you really want to know what it was. And we're going to analyze a little bit of that, hopefully with Adam Ronis, a little bit with Dr. Roto, maybe a few other surprises that we'll have uh, this evening in the draft. So, again, it started Todd Gurley. Jerry Bryant doesn't take uh, any chances. Goes with Todd Gurley with the one hole. At the two-pick, Hub City takes Ezekiel Elliott. Ezekiel Elliott, it's a little bit higher than, uh, I mean, usually we see Le'Veon Bell go right there. Uh, but, you know, I've been hearing a lot of uh, that girly Bell, Zeke, one, two, three. And we're sort of getting that consensus as we head in here to draft season, girly Bell, Zeke. But in this draft, it's girly and Bell. Uh, there's a couple other running backs that we know we're, that we're going to see come off the board. We know that we're going to see 
uh, Saquon Barkley in the first round this year. That's that's pretty exciting to see. You know, you start to see him up here. You're also I don't want to I don't want to start doing any more name dropping. I always like to wait for the picks to come out. It looks like Shane McCallie is the is the person that's on the clock here. Let's take a look at this timer and see if I can't help him out here real quick. We're going to look at the clock. It looks like they're good to go. Okay, they've got it going. They're rolling. Shamson Hanish is on the clock with the four pick. Team Ferguson, Wayne Ferguson takes Le'Veon Bell. That's the one that um, went typically goes at two, but now he goes at three. So now we're going to sit back and wait as they iron out what's going on in there in the draft uh, with the four. Like I said, we have some big guests lined up tonight. Uh, Dr. Rode and Adam Ronis will join us. And maybe a few more. I know that Blaine Parra we talked to, but I also invited all of the participants that are in this year's draft to call up. I invite you to call up. Let us know. The number has changed. It's not the number that was in the, the intro. It's 657-383-0828. 657-383-0828. If you want to get into a draft at Scout Fantasy, you know how to do it. You go to playscoutfantasysports.com. You can go to playffwc.com. You can see the draft lobby there for the Fantasy Football World Championships. This year is going to be absolutely incredible. So stoked to talk about it. At the Palms, our seventh year, we're going to be at the Palms. And they've completely remodeled this place. It looks amazing. I, I, I can't believe just how much money they put into this. Shout out to everybody in the management team at the Palms that really gave our players a very memorable experience last year in the Hardwood Suite. Uh, and the Sky Villas, that was just a really incredible draft, especially they're still talking about the Thursday after party and the after draft at the Invitational that we had in the uh, the Sky Villas. That was really incredible. Uh, but, yeah, the Hardwood Suite, that was cool. And uh, let's see, what are they saying in the chat room? The holdout drop. Yeah, you know, Le'Veon Bell drops one spot, the holdout drop. Uh, probably so. Probably so. That, that's probably what it is. You just don't know what's going to happen there, but I, I doubt that these guys uh, hold out. Now, we can finally get to some other names in the draft. Sham, goes, go ahead and take David Johnson at four. I didn't want to throw his name out there as we got any closer, uh, but David Johnson looked like he shattered everybody's dreams last year, and he looked like he was off and rolling in the first half of the very first game. I think he had like six catches heading into the locker room, and then a, a season-ending injury uh, takes him out. And he's out for the entire year, but he's back. And now you got to find out, well, what's that offense look like now? They're going to lean on David Johnson. They're, they obviously have Fitz, the Hall of Famer that's there. We do have a premium article out on Larry Fitzgerald. We talked to an Arizona Cardinal insider just last week. Some of the things will absolutely shock you in that article. Uh, I'm still trying to process what I think about that and how that's going to affect Fitzgerald this year in the draft. Because I know a lot of people are thinking about drafting him. Uh, thinking that they might be able to count on him as a wide receiver two or a worst case scenario with three. It's, it feels like you should be able to, but we'll just have to wait and see. The coaching regime is, is different now. Uh, we'll, we'll have to see. Uh, at the five hole, we see Alvin Kamara. Now that shouldn't surprise anybody because what an incredible rookie campaign he had. You know, Kimra Schlisser, we've got to give her her props. The first female fantasy football world champion. She won by 0.77 fantasy points in 2016. Uh, it was an amazing finish on the very last play of the very last game. Golden Tate on Monday night, the bubble screen play. They weren't even supposed to be on the field, and she wins $150,000 on that play. She called Alvin Kamara as her annual stash and cash player. 
And we started to see his draft stock start to rise a little bit. But I, if, if I remember right, it wasn't anything to write home about. I mean, he was still being drafted. Somebody correct me in the chat room. But Alvin Kamara, he was being – I mean, the earliest we were seeing him being taken was like, I mean, maybe I saw him go in the 10th round once. Usually it was like the 12th, 14th, or 15th round, right? So nobody was really on him. You can't sit here and say you were on him. You may have liked him, right? Like I called him I, – I do the reviews on my rankings every year, and I called Kamara the most talented player on the Saints roster, the most talented running back on the Saints roster, but I thought he was buried, right? He, he's buried behind a couple of other backs that Mark Ingram and Adrian Peterson. I'm like, how is he going to get on the field? Well, he did get on the field, and they basically cast Adrian Peterson aside. They said, my God, this kid is absolutely ready to go. There's nothing that's going to hold this guy back. Let's get him on the field, and let's get him going. And he had an absolutely an amazing rookie year. Only 120 carries. That's the, what we'd like to see beef up because we think he can handle it. He did miss a little bit of time, but 728 yards. Are you kidding me? Are you freaking kidding me? 120 carries, but 728 yards? Okay. We'll take that all day and every day. Uh, eight touchdowns, 81 receptions. 81 receptions, and you have a back that averaged six yards a carry with 81 receptions, 826 yards, five touchdowns. That's 1,500, almost 1,600 all-purpose yards uh, rushing and receiving for Alvin Kamara, an absolute beast. I, I cannot fault anybody for taking Alvin Kamara there and, and even higher. I mean, Ingram's going to be, he's suspended. He's going to miss a few games. Kamara is absolutely outstanding uh, pick this year. Uh, so that pick goes to Javelinas. Now you might hear Javelinas and you're like, well, who, who is Javelinas? That's Kurt Kikis. Kurt Kikis, the co-manager of Mike Santos. They do a lot of drafts together, but they do also draft on their own. And Kurt Kikis is in the online championship, made the playoffs last year going for a run and starting off with Alvin Kamara. Now, Canadian geese, Blaine Para. Get to know this name, everybody. Three years in a row, the Scout Fantasy Red versus Blue online champion. Adam, you can go ahead and call us up, too. Antonio Brown is his pick. I mean, look, I looked at his draft last year, okay, and he did have the two pick. Uh, and he went Le'Veon Bell, okay? He went Rob Gronkowski. He went Devontae Adams in the third round. He went Larry Fitzgerald in the fourth round. He went Aaron Rodgers in the fifth round. He went Mark Ingram in the sixth round. Stop. Full stop. Are you hearing a, a theme here, right? Don't take players who suck, right? That's what Tommy D always said. Don't take players who suck. There's six rounds of absolute studs, safe picks, not Terrell Pryor's. Okay, you don't see any Terrell Pryors in there. You don't see any Martavis Bryant in there. Okay, you see very safe, safe picks equal wins and equal points scored. We'll get into the rest of his draft, but it's interesting. He could have taken a shot on a Saquon Barkley. He could have taken a shot on a Kareem Hunt with a new quarterback uh, in Pat Mahomes, who everybody likes, but he doesn't. And he also says, you guys, five guys in front of me that just took running backs, I'm not going to trace. I'm not going to chase you and play your game. I know my RB one isn't going to be as good as you five, but my wide receiver one is going to be better than yours. And so I, I like that mentality. I like that thinking. Taking Antonio Brown, it's just a it's just a nice safe play. Even though those running backs, I got to tell you, they're very very hard to turn down when you're on the clock. Let's pull in our guest. Uh, I think nine one seven is Adam Ronis. Adam, can you hear me? 
Yes, I can. What's up, Scott? What's going on, brother? Hey, it's good to have you on Red versus Blue. Listen, Antonio Brown at six, you've drafted, and you know how hard it is to turn down those two running backs when they're sitting there uh, staring at you in the face, Saquon Barkley and Kareem Hunt. Canadian geese Blaine Parrott, the, the three-time champ, he takes Antonio Brown there. It makes sense, and he's a three-time champ for a reason. Look, you're seeing people all in on the running backs this year. You want to try and get that three-down back early, and you're seeing them go. But Antonio Brown is the model of consistency. He does it each and every year. He hardly misses games. I know he missed two last year. He gets flooded with targets, 100 receptions every year since 2013. You know the yards are going to be there. A good bet for double-digit touchdowns. And the one thing that you love about the Steelers' offense is you know where the ball is going. It's going in the hands of Le'Veon Bell, Tony O'Brown. Especially nowadays, when you look around offenses throughout the NFL, you're seeing so many more third receivers, four receivers in the mix, uh, backup running back, and then the third down running back, where week to week you don't know where the football is going. In the Steelers' offense, you know where the ball is going. And, you know, Antonio Brown is like the one interesting guy this year is because where do you take him? You can make a case that Brown deserves to go number one, number two overall. You can absolutely make that case. But those running backs are just so enticing, as you mentioned, and you know they're flying off the board. But this is a league with the waiver wire, too. So we know there's going to be a couple running backs that emerge off the waiver wire this year. And I'm sure he has in mind a couple running backs in the middle to later rounds that he feels he can hit on. So you take the – what you want in that first round is just a high floor where you know what you're getting. You know what you're getting in Antonio Brown. You could make a question. Some of the running backs that went around him, there are question marks. Antonio Brown, as long as he's healthy, you know you're getting production. Adam Ronis, one of the senior fantasy experts here at Scout Fantasy, joins us. Uh, Adam, you weren't on earlier in the, in the draft when I wrote down the early part. Todd Gurley, Ezekiel Elliott, Le'Veon Bell. Have you seen uh, – I mean, look, Todd Gurley to me is the, should be the unanimous number one pick after we saw what that offense is capable of. You stick a great player on a great offense, why mess it up, right? Ezekiel Elliott at two with the question marks surrounding the receivers and maybe stacking that line. Do you have any worry at all that they're able to contain Zeke like they were able to contain Gurley a couple years ago? I don't, only because we've seen Zeke have success before, and I know Des Bryant is gone and Jason Witten. But two years ago, was Des Bryant that much of a, a deep threat? He really wasn't. He was a guy that was going up to get the ball, uh, 50-50 balls. He wasn't getting much separation. And he wasn't a guy that you were worried about deep. Jason Witten could barely run. So that was my biggest problem. I'm a Cowboys fan, and they just have not had a vertical threat to stretch the defense. Now, two years ago, they had an easy schedule. They took advantage of it, and they bullied teams. They made no adjustments. They just ran the ball down teams' throats, and they were able to get away with it. Last year, the schedule got tougher. They had some injuries on the line, and you could see the lack of confidence on that coaching staff. They never made any adjustments. And then, of course, the Zeke suspension. So the bottom line is they're going to give – seek the ball 25, even 30 times a game. They don't mind giving him the football. He certainly is – he can get it done in the passing game. We just haven't seen the numbers yet. As a rookie, he caught 32 or 40 passes. So they just need yeah. to give him the ball through the air. He can certainly do it. You know, last year he had 26 receptions on 38 catches in 10 games. So he was going to be on pace for 40 to 45 catches 
he had seven touchdowns in 10 games, and that's what the yards per carry going down. He had almost 1,000 yards in 10 games, 242 carries. They are going to feed him the football. Teams knew that Zeke was getting the ball in his rookie yeah. year and last year, and he still produced. So, yes, on paper, it looks like they have question marks of wide receiver, but he's still going to produce. It, it, so I'm not worried about it. I've seen him go one overall in some drafts. If you want it, you can make a case that, you know, Bell is a little bit safer. You know, Bell had a huge workload last year. He has been banged up. And if the Steelers are not intent on paying him, you know they're going to give him the ball a ton and run him into the ground. And that's essentially what they did last year. So it's kind of splitting hairs here with Bell and Zeke. And I have no problem going either way. Yeah, and I want to get your thoughts again on the Dak Prescott situation a little bit later because it all kind of circles. It all It's all part of the bigger piece here. But the draft kept going. It went Le'Veon Bell, no-brainer. But then David Johnson is back, and we still are trying to figure out what exactly that means, right? Is Are we getting the same David Johnson, or are there any – when you're on the clock, right, and you've got that pick, you feel like you're just kind of it's, – it's a safe pick because they didn't take him the, through the first three – you could go Kamara, you could go Barkley, you could go Antonio Brown, but typically you're seeing the four-pick kind of settle in on David Johnson because, I mean, he, he beat everybody by like 100 fantasy points the last year he was healthy, and only an injury stopped him. So any concerns at all? I mean, it could be a short answer. With David Johnson at four, or, or is there any reservation in your part at all? Slight concern. Uh, obviously, new coaching staff. Offensive line has question marks. We don't know who the quarterback's going to be but he's going to get fed the football. And it wasn't a, a serious injury. It was a wrist injury. Wrist, he's yeah. less wear and tear. Sitting out that year is, is going to be good for his body. We did see, though, towards the end of 2016, he really did have trouble running the ball on the ground. But what he does in the passing game is just ridiculous. Uh, you know, 80 receptions two years ago, you got to think they're going to continue to throw him the football. So there is slight concern because of the offensive line, but I have no problem with him going in the top four, which is what you see, as you mentioned, in pretty much every draft. Yeah. I mean, this is the guy that like he, he, he beat Le'Veon Bell by like a hundred fantasy points that year. That was the year that Le'Veon missed a couple of games, but still um, now we are through the first couple of rounds. And I just want to give you everybody the recap at home that five teams went two running backs to start their draft. And three teams went two wide receivers to start their draft. So that's eight. And then the other four had, you know, one of each. And that's, that's typically what I like to do. But so I don't get caught on any runs. Depends on where you're at. But if you're, if you're near the end, it's really scary to kind of go two RBs or two wide receivers. If you're in the middle, you can kind of get away with it because it's not that far back before you get to pick again. But sometimes you can see those long runs and it really hits you hard. Uh, matter of fact, we've got two teams that have already went three running backs. We'll talk about that in a second. Alvin Kamara at five, Antonio Brown at six, Spies and Trolls, Saquon Barkley. Everybody's talking about Saquon Barkley. We're going to talk about Saquon, Adam. Uh, Richard Mallon takes Saquon Barkley at seven, right behind Antonio Brown, and right before Kareem Hunt and DeAndre Hopkins, who you know what you're getting with Hunt and Hopkins, right? I mean, nothing's changed in those situations except the quarterback has changed to Kansas City. Uh, but Saquon Barkley, everything on tape, everything we've seen in his college career suggests that this kid's just going to hit the ground, you know, off and rolling in fantasy. Uh, any any concerns at all with him being a rookie and the you know the veteran coaching staff maybe not leaning on him too hard? 
I gotta see. I gotta think they're leaning on him. I just don't see no other options. Some reports recently came out that Jonathan Stewart looked really sluggish. What a shock! I'm stunned by that news. <laughs> I don't even know why they brought him in. So you know they're going to feed him the football. Look, here's the thing. I think fantasy owners have finally gotten a little smart because some of the arguments you heard over the last couple of years, well, he's a rookie running back. He's never played it down in the NFL. I don't want to take him. And then you see what Zeke comes in and does. And even though he wasn't drafted early, you see him when uh, Kamara got the opportunity, what he can do. So running backs can come into the NFL and have instant success. And with Barkley, you know they're going to feed him the football, and you know what he can do in the passing game. That's really his strength is a PPR format because he is so good catching the football out of the backfield. And with the weapons that the Giants have, not that they're healthy, with Odell Beckham back and, and Shepard and Ingram, you know, teams are going to really have to account for a lot on that offense. And they definitely did improve the offensive line, but uh, Barkley is going to be fed the football. Yeah, that's the uh, that's the only issue that we've we've talked about. We continue to talk about is the offensive line with New York. It is a little bit better. I have heard when I was in Minneapolis for FSTA, I had a couple of Giants fans telling me that you know they weren't so convinced that you know Saquon can run through the tackles. And you know I've watched a lot of Penn State games, and, and one thing that he is you know known for is bouncing outside and taking it to the house. Uh, but I'm not that schooled up on Saquon up the middle. Have you have you? Have you heard that before? Is that a common theme with him? Yeah, but I think part of that was the offensive line at Penn State wasn't great. Okay. So that was a big factor over there why, you know, he's five, like 5'11", 220. So he's not going to be that guy that pounds it between the tackles. Like, you don't want to send him in there 20 times. I think you want to take advantage of his skill set. And the biggest asset he has is – catching the football and getting him out in space. And I think the Giants, if they're smart, are going to do that and figure out a way to use him best. So uh, there is some truth to that. But the Penn State offensive line was not very good. I'm, I'm still uh, – Adam Ronis joins us. We have a – he's our senior analyst at Scout Fantasy Sports. I have concerns – okay, we have our, our strength of schedule tool at FF Toolbox, and that's something that we always like to use when we're trying to break ties. And to me, when I'm on the clock or I'm looking at the draft going un- underway, I feel like it's a, it's a tie when you're trying to dice up between Kamara, Barkley, and Hunt. I mean, these are all good running backs, talented backs. New Orleans has the fifth easiest schedule against the run this year, with all things being equal and you know not factoring in for improvements and defenses and things like that. Just looking, using last year's numbers, number five easiest run, defense, uh, run schedule is New Orleans. The Giants are the fifth most difficult at 28. So just right there, Kamara looks like head and shoulders above Saquon, but I have seen some Saquon Barkley before. But let's look for Kareem Hunt. Kareem Hunt, 18. He Kansas City, 18, right in the middle. Is that a big enough of a difference? 18 to 28 in the red zone here for the Giants. They're, they're a very difficult schedule against the run. Uh, would, that, would that put Kareem Hunt maybe above Saquon Barkley for you? For me, no. For some people, it might. But we know that so much can change from year to year. A defense that we expect to be really good falls apart. They have a couple of injuries. It happens all the time. You know, the Texans defense got battered by injuries last year. So you can use that as a tool. And, you know, that's the thing is you want to use as many components as you can, especially when you're talking about these picks. If you have them ranked that closely, you want to take a look at that. But you know, it's a, it's a different year and just so many things can change 
even what we think in week one, week three, week four, and injuries can change all that by week 10. So you want to take a look at it, but you don't want it to be like the main factor. It's kind of down the list as you go and you're trying to sort through two to three players that you have that are ranked closely. Yeah, and I keep, want to co- I keep wanting to come back to how this champ, Blaine Para, a Canadian geese here, he's won it three years in a row. We just got to keep saying it. You got to give him his props for that because he didn't uh, – let's look did, – did you get a chance to see his draft board? Did I send that to you? Yeah, I have it. I'm looking at it right now, yeah. Last year, he took Le'Veon Bell from the two-hole, Rob Gronkowski, Devontae Adams, Larry Fitzgerald, Aaron Rodgers. I mean, put me to sleep, okay? Just snore fast. I'm like, okay, Larry Fitzgerald, Aaron Rodgers, Mark Ingram, Adrian Peterson, Zach Ertz. You know, you're just putting me to sleep with that draft, okay? But it just works because it's every none of those are whiffs. You can count on those picks. That's what I said when I thought back to last year's whiffs, right? I, Martavis Bryant and Terrell Pryor. Just, just to name a few, and he's sitting there taking stud, 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 just safe pick, give me my points, and then he did take Juju Smith-Schuster for $12 in free agency blind bidding one Wednesday night. Uh, you guys should be ashamed of yourself letting him have Juju for $12, but hey, you know what? It was foresight because Juju hadn't broken out yet. Otherwise, they, these guys would have been bidding up a storm, but when you see that draft, does anything else stand out to you? I mean, he, I mean three tight ends, too, in the first yeah, that's what stood out to me because that's something that I typically don't do. I mean, I loved – I've always loved Zach Ertz. It was just a matter of him being able to stay healthy and increase the touchdown total. He's always been a PPR machine, and he seems to have those big Decembers every single year. Last year, he was able to put it all together. He did miss a week or two, but he scored the touchdowns, and you were getting him at a value last year. So to pair him up with Gronk, obviously – worked out and then came back with Delaney, which is something uh, you don't really see very often. But like you said, it was just, you know, each pick early on just hit, you know, the only one that didn't was Adrian Peterson, but most people are going to have multiple picks that don't hit early on and you have to go to the wave wire and fix them. And sometimes I've said this before, sometimes just take the value that's presented to you in the draft, let others reach and go crazy and look for the upside. That's not what you want to do in the first four to six rounds of draft where you want to reach and look for the home run picks are the middle to late rounds. And people sometimes get a little home run happy in the first few rounds. And if you're a savvy drafter, you just sit there and you say, okay, let the value fall to me. These guys used to always joke about me. They're like, Oh, Adam is the luckiest <laughs> drafter. Everything just falls <laughs> right for him. No, I just sit there. And if people make mistakes, I take advantage of them. They're like, I yeah. can't believe you got this guy in round three. Do you realize there were 11 other teams that had the opportunity to take the same player? <laughs> and they didn't. So that's kind of an example of what you're looking at here. He just said, all right, you guys are going to let the value fall to me. I'll take it, and I'll figure out everything else later. And good example there. I mean, Aaron Rodgers in round five. You know, we, everyone waits on quarterback. And, and that didn't work out for most of the year, but – you overcome it. You get Stafford later on, and Stafford's one of those guys that you get in double-digit rounds that stays healthy, goes out there week after week, and puts up numbers. This is the Red versus Blue Draft. Adam Ronis joins us. Call in at the show, 657-383-0828. This is uh, an annual tradition here at Scout Fantasy. It's the Red versus Blue, first of live pick-by-pick commentary draft for the Scout Fantasy Online Championship. $50,000 up for grabs. We say it's high stakes because it is. I mean, it's $299, Adam. It's, it's not cheap at all. 
uh, but it's fantastic ROI, great payouts, over $2,400 in league prizes and $50,000 grand prizes. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a great format. Plus, if you make it, if you want to ever make it to Vegas, but it's just a lot of money, you know, it is high stakes and you're, you know, it's 1700 bucks. It's, it's, we get it. It's, it's not cheap, but we want that appeal for that big 10,000 and that those big prizes at the end, you can win your way in. You win this online championship and you're sitting at the world championship next year. And Adam, you got to go last year. Uh, it was your first time going real quick, just 30 seconds on the experience that you had in Vegas uh, at the fantasy football world championship. Well, I need more than 30 seconds, but I'll try to be brief, but it's amazing. And I know, I know I'm part of the company, but I'm, I'm just, I'm not just saying that Uh, first time out there. I didn't know what to expect, but everything was great. The draft rooms, the people there, the food, the experience, the camaraderie, getting together, watching Thursday night football, watching football all day Sunday with a group of diehard fantasy football enthusiasts, meeting people that, you know, maybe I've read or listened to me for years you know, it was just a great experience. So much fun. Like I'm looking forward to it. And the Palms was phenomenal. And then just read about all the upgrades as well. I know we tweeted out yeah. the link on Forbes.com this past week. So yeah, it's great. I mean, anyone who's a dire fantasy football fan, you got to go at least experience once. And what happens is you experience it once, you're going to be back the next year. Yeah. That's kind of how I feel too. It's a bucket list item. And when we when we first win our very first year, I just said, my God, this was the most amazing thing. And all of us are sitting there sporting our jerseys. Uh, you know, I was sporting a Keyshawn jersey at the time. I was sitting right next to fullback fro from the football guy message boards, Chris Hart. He was sitting there sporting his Jerry Rice jersey. I mean, it was, that's what I mean. They're all from all over the country. Every team's represented just about. For sure, every team was represented. And you just – you, you draft your team and then you, you know, you, you don't really get to know those, you know, you, those are your competitors. Uh, but the events are what made it so special. So it's not just the, the draft, the competitive, but the events, the kickoff party. And, you know, you might not, you might be the only one there, but once you get there, there's plenty to hang out and relax and everybody makes you feel at home. And, and then we have the party on Sunday to watch the games. Adam, let's finish out the first round and then I'll pop, uh, I'll let you go. Uh, Harry Mary Monks takes, after uh, Spies and Trolls takes Barkley, it goes Kareem Hunt, which we talked about. Pat Mahomes is now the quarterback. And look, it was a domino effect. Washington didn't want to pay Kirk Cousins, and they knew that and Minnesota came calling. And then Washington's left without a quarterback. They go grab Alex Smith. Kansas City was okay with that because of Pat Mahomes. But how does that affect Kareem Hunt in your mind? Plus, Spencer Ware is back. And again, you know, Kareem Hunt is Spencer wears no Kareem Hunt, but there was nobody to share the ball with Kareem Hunt, and he did kind of hit a little bit of a sluggishness through the middle part of the season. And I don't know if that was Andy Reid or if that was Kareem Hunt, but you feel good enough to, about Kareem Hunt to take him when guys like DeAndre Hopkins are still on the board? Yeah, I mean, look, the receivers you feel are a little bit safer, but again, I think it's the mentality of people wanting to get that running back. Look, this Chiefs offense is going to be good. Okay. I think Mahomes can can get it done. There's no question. They drafted him for a reason, and you know Alex Smith had a great year. As far yeah, as on, it was Andy Reid, and it was Andy Reid in the offense last year that handcuffed him. I mean, there were games where he got nine carries. That's inexcusable. I remember the game against Dallas. They ran him nine times. Like you can't do that. If you go look at their record, when they fed Kareem Hunt the football, they won games. Give him the ball 20 plus times, you will win. They finally got smart for fantasy owners. Hopefully. 
the people who made the fantasy football playoffs, because if you look at what he did in weeks 14 through 16, that's when he came alive again, and they gave him, I think he had at least 24 carries in each of those three games. So yeah. it was definitely they tailed back on the touches midway through the season. It was like he got fed early, they scaled back, and then they fed him yeah. late. So is that a concern? A little bit, because you bring in bit. Sammy Watkins, Ty- you got Tyree Kill and Kelsey. So – Somebody's going to disappoint there. There's no question. Someone is disappointing unless this offense averages 50 a game, and I'm not going to say that. Right, right. And, and, and another thing, though, he had 272 carries, okay? It's, it's the sixth most carries of any running back. So it's not like he didn't get enough carries. He did a lot with them, too. 1,327 yards. You got eight touchdowns, 53 catches. There's nothing not to like. It, but it was, it was sort of in these big burst games, right? 50 points here, 40 yes. points. Those are nice, and those, and those help you. Uh, and I'm okay with points, so I mean I'm I'm not I'm not going to sit here and argue. But in the back of your mind, when when you're looking at Kansas City players to draft, it is there. It's the Pat Mahomes Alex Smith thing, and Alex Smith, like him or not, he was the fourth best fantasy quarterback, and may have been even better at football. Okay, that, we're talking fantasy numbers. Fourth best fantasy, and Alex Smith is not known as a fantasy quarterback. So that just goes to show you how good he was in real football, right? So that was the kind of year they had. And Alex Smith went balls out because he – and he played for a contract, and he got one in Washington. So he knew what was sitting on the sidelines. Mahomes was chasing him. But this is now when it – now when it comes – push comes to shove, I'm worried. Like if I'm, if I'm on the clock and I'm looking at Travis Kelsey and he's there and it feels kind of right, I'm worried about the Pat Mahomes connection. I'm worried when I'm looking at Tyree Kill – are there going to be enough carry uh, receptions to go around now with not only Mahomes, but Sammy Watkins? There's just a lot of things that are there that make this whole Kansas City piece a little confusing. And I know a lot of people are calling for Pat Mahomes' breakout, and, and, I, and I've got him ranked very high in my dynasty rankings uh, because of the prospect that he is. I mean, I asked for names on Twitter, Adam, and I'm, and I'm not joking. I said, who does Pat Mahomes remind you of? And I was just looking for Twitter answers, right? And, and when it's on Twitter, that's what you're going to get. You know what you're going to get, right? Uh, but I'm getting like, uh, I, I'm getting Aaron Rodgers. And I'm getting Len Dawson. And I'm getting Big Ben. I'm like, oh, slow down, guys. He hasn't even, I mean, I, we've, we've barely seen him. I mean, is he really going to be that out of the gate? He, he almost needs to be for Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, and Kareem Hunt to be worth these draft slots. No, it's excellent points you're making. And I've thought about that, the same thing too, because Alex Smith, as good as he was in fantasy too, was good in real life. He was actually, you know, the, the knock on Smith throughout his career has been, he doesn't throw the deep ball. He actually was one of the most accurate deep passers last season. So there's a lot here for Mahomes to step into. The weapons are there, but someone and maybe two guys are going to disappoint. I mean, you're seeing right. Kelsey going rounds two to three, Tyree Kill going around two to three, and then even Watkins going around six. There's just not going to be enough volume. Tyree Kill is someone that, you know, I love Tyree Kill. We were all over Tyree Kill. I think right. all of us on the yep. staff last year loved yep. Tyree Kill. I know I had a lot of them. He had 105 targets. He caught 75, so he was very efficient, <laughs> and right. he was a big play wide receiver. Can you expect that to continue again? I mean, we know he has the speed, so we know he can break a long play at any time. But asking him to do that on such little volume definitely is a risk. I love the talent, 
But we know that, and you're hearing the buzz, Sammy Watkins, the movement all around. We know how good Sammy Watkins is. It's a matter of can he stay healthy. Now, he does have the full offseason to work with this team. He didn't have that with the Rams last year, which is why his numbers suck. But there will be a disappointment here. And the key is trying to figure out who is the guy to avoid in this Chiefs offense. Yeah, it really is, Adam, uh, because when I, we keep looking at the draft board and where we're drafting these guys, including Saquon Barkley, by the way, uh, are their peak, basically their peak performances, if everything pans out like, you know, optimally, right? And I don't know, right. very rarely is it always optimally like that. So we're not, it's not like we're getting value. And you brought that point up uh, when we were talking about the Scott Fishbowl draft. And it was like, you want to get the value on guys. You don't want to have to pay the price that everybody's paying. You want to find those, the, the Kamaras, but not in the first round, not taking five or six overall. You want to find that Kamara or that Kareem Hunt where they are in the draft this year. So Darius Geis in the third round, maybe it's him. Maybe it's Royce Freeman. Maybe it's Sony Michelle. Now, you know, there's lots of names there that we could talk about, but that's for another time. Adam, last part of the draft here, DeAndre Hopkins, Keenan Allen uh, for Mr. Pink. Bada bing goes Melvin Gordon. And then Idiot took, takes Dalvin Cook. Another example of a player that they're drafting like nothing ever happened. Dalvin Cook, if he played the entire season – He'd be a first-round running back uh, this year, I would imagine, because he looked good and he was looked fantastic. We, we, we thought he was going to be great, but he got hurt, and, you know, injuries happen. But now he's being drafted in the first round again, almost as if the injury just didn't happen at all. Like, we don't want to believe it even happened. And it, it felt like a pretty serious injury, right? I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't a joke. So how, how do people – it was an ACL. Maybe, maybe, it's, maybe that's not so bad these days. Uh, but but how do people justify taking Dalvin Cook now in the first round, uh, just recovering from an injury? Usually it takes a while. Yeah, I just think people with the medical advances we've had, we've seen guys come back from the ACLs pretty well. And Cook, in the brief time we saw him, ravaged almost five yards per carry. And people love the Vikings offense. They see what Murray and McKinnon were able to do and put up good numbers, and they know that Dalvin Cook is more talented. But, yeah, there definitely is some risk there for sure because – you know, he has only played four games in the NFL. He hasn't had that full season as good as he looked. Uh, it is on the turn. So, you know, you could make a case, you know, for Leonard Fournette. We know how for- good Fournette is. There's definitely some injury concerns there with him. He's had foot injuries going back to college, missed some games last year. But you also know that they upgraded the offensive line. We know he- what he can do in the passing game. You know, that was one of the things. Oh, well, they didn't catch the ball at LSU. Well, they don't throw the ball to the running backs at LSU. That doesn't mean that these – Running backs cannot catch the football. So uh, I've seen Cook pretty much go in the first round, sometimes falling into the second round. But uh, people are just not as concerned nowadays when players are coming off torn ACLs because uh, the medical has advanced so much, come back, and, and they're able to play well. Yeah, this draft is, is going crazy. And the, and the guys in the chat room, the crew, some of the best minds in the world of high-stakes fantasy football are in the crew, in the chat room on the Friday nights when we do the show. And Henry Muto, uh, another high-stakes winner, six-figure winner, several times in national formats. He's been talking about this all night. And, and Adam, I don't know if you see the chat room, but he's saying, who's going to take the leap on LaShawn McCoy? We're sitting here in the sixth sixth round, and the story of July for fantasy football uh, is this LaShawn McCoy question mark because – Look, those images were horrifying. This was terrible uh, 
unfortunate, you know, for this woman to have these absolute pictures outed on the internet about her. And obviously there needs to be some justice for whatever happened. Uh, if I don't even know if she's the one that's doing it or, or who put up the pictures out. Uh, but they're saying whoever put the pictures out said it was LaShawn McCoy. McCoy denies it. And now the story apparently is that McCoy sent – this was the alleged story that he sent some people there for some jewelry, and they ended up – it ended up getting physical, and she got her, her tail she – got, she got absolutely beat. Uh, and, and the question is, what do fantasy owners are supposed to do with this? I mean, this is ridiculous. I mean, how do we even think about this in a fantasy football term? We have to because there's money on the line. McCoy has to get drafted. Somebody's got to take him. Maybe you just look the other way and you say, you know what, somebody's going to get him. It's going to be a ridiculous value for somebody if he gets out of this thing uh, unscathed. Yeah, it's very tough right now because I've yeah. basically been saying I, I'd avoid him. And, uh, you know, there's uh, big money here on the line tonight. and Everyone else is having that same mentality. I was right. pretty much off McCoy before this only yeah. because – this offense is terrible. They lost a lot on the offensive line. Now, the counter-argument is he's going to get the workload. There's no one else. Right. They are going to feed him the football. I mean, he's going to right. get 300-plus touches. But he's also – You're saying you're off of him. It says you're, that means you're not going to take him in the third round. We're at the end of the sixth round right now, and McCoy is still out there. Well, the problem is, is because you don't know what's going to happen. It's the NFL. They always shock us with everything. Would you be surprised if he – they just made a decision, oh, we're going to put him on the exempt list he, until this investigation is done. He's not going to play. That's the problem. And yeah. I don't blame anyone because I'd probably be avoiding him at this point too. As you mentioned, oh, there's a price for everyone. Where does it come? My guess right. is someone in round seven or eight takes the plunge. Yeah, it's coming. But you have, to know, you have to know that there's a potential that you don't have him the entire season. Well, right. There's a couple teams in this league, Daily Double. Uh, he went girly, four wide receivers. He could go McCoy and get his two right. Now, I don't know if he's going to do that or not. You also have the end that took Dalvin Cook and then five wide receivers. He could go uh, an RB2 and, and get McCoy in the seventh round. And I mean, that it, it's, it's almost like the Kareem Hunt situation where you don't know what you're getting in the seventh or eighth round in May or June, right? Remember when people were taking Kareem Hunt and they were taking him seventh, eighth, tenth round? By the time the season right, got here, let's Spence, say he Before gets, Spencer Wears injury. But that was before, right, before Spencer Wears injury. Right, and then he starts getting drafted in the third round, and then all of a sudden on Thursday night, you know, he goes ape shit bananas, and then you're taking him into, you know, two or three overall. But those guys that drafted early got him seventh round, eighth round, tenth round, whatever, and then all of a sudden got a gift. Well, it's almost like this. The people that are drafting right now, and this is kind of how I approach a lot of things in early drafting, you can get gifts right now before an injury happens, and then all of a sudden you've got a team that's literally loaded that nobody come August is going to be able to draft. Yeah, and I say it all the time because a lot of people do not like to draft early because we haven't even started training camp, and they want to see how right. players look. They want to see the right. depth charts. But if you play in so many leagues, it makes sense to at least do a draft or two down. Because, yes, last year, Kareem Hunt at this time, seventh, eighth round. It's a whole run. Kamara, double-digit round. So, and we know that there are going to be several players that we are talking about now that are going in rounds 12 or 13 today. And by the time we get to late August, they're going to be round seven or eight. So, if you have an idea of who those players are going to be, that's why it's advantageous to draft now. Yep. And Wayne Ferguson just did it to pound for pound. 
seventh round, LaShawn McCoy is off the board, RB28, after players and wide receivers along the lines of Emmanuel Sanders, Will Fuller, Mike Williams, Chris Hogan range, then LaShawn McCoy is coming off the board at RB28. After Mark Ingram, who is also suspended. Look, we've seen suspensions from this he said, she said stuff. And look, terrible situation. But if there's no police report and there's no proof and no evidence and they can't tie McCoy to phone and what happened all that, you know, it could be a he said, she said, and then that's – I mean, isn't that what happened to Winston? And Winston got a couple of games. It was a he said – I mean, right. right? So And even Zeke, even when Zeke Elliott, even the Zeke. investigator, said there's nothing here. And he still right. got suspended. Now, I know it took a couple of years, but it, it, look, that's – we feel – I feel like we have one of these situations every year. And it just but comes this down ugly. to your – This, yeah, this, yeah, this oh, is ugly, though. It is. It is. And and then if you want to throw in the other factors, thirty years old, you know, bad offense, running backs usually Stack fall in off the a box. cliff. There's Josh no gra- there's no gradual decline with running backs. It's like they're good, and then all of a sudden, oh my god, he's done. Right, and 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 also with Buffalo, they're going to be stacking way more than they were with Tyrod Taylor in there. It's going to be worse. Right. Yeah. You know, absolutely. Ivory, you don't have Ivory that. might be the hidden gem here that nobody that nobody even drafts. Right. Eventually, look. When you're in a pick by pick commentary draft here at Red versus Blue, and you're listening to the show, you get name dropped. Okay, that's just what happens here. And somebody's going to take an Ivory here coming up because they're like, you know what, McCoy might get because there's always this other element. The other element is he would have been drafted anyway. It's a twenty-round draft. He would have been drafted, yeah, because yeah, of the McCoy news. He was, he's definitely yeah. going to go. It's a matter yeah, of somewhere. how high. Yeah, it's a matter of how high. And and so the question is, how will the Buffalo Bills decide to take action? Because I'll guarantee you this: the you know the, this world we live in now, you're not. I mean, you're you. You cannot mess up to this degree or or be accused of something like this. And there is no innocent until proven guilty anymore. Uh, that that that's long gone. So the Buffalo Bills themselves, as an organization, are facing very likely right now extreme pressure to act, to do something, to make it known that this is not okay. And 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 you know, I mean, that that's just the world we live in. That everybody has to know where you stand and and is you know where you're at in this equation. And the Bills are going to face the pressure. So that this this one is one that where the team itself might end up doing something versus not just the league and waiting on a punishment. You know, the other punishments, I mean, to think about it this way, Zeke, the Cowboys and the union and the players union, they all were defending Zeke with this, with pictures or with video like Ray Rice. I don't see the union or the, the association or the team stepping up for McCoy here. I just, I just don't. I think he's out on an Island on this one, which to me might make it mean that he is destined to, like you said earlier, sit on the sideline uh, while this whole thing shakes out until he's completely exonerated. You know, uh, we'll be back. Adam, thank you for joining us. I don't want to keep you any longer. It was a, it was a great, uh, great having you on, on your Friday night. Uh, enjoy it. Uh, this is going to be a great draft and we've got a lot more to come this year. So, Adam Ronis on Twitter, at Adam Ronis, and, uh, you know, everybody else knows where to find you. They can find you at Scout Fantasy. That's right, man. Thanks for the invite, and uh, enjoy the rest of the draft. All right, my man. Good stuff from Adam Ronis. Uh, Always glad when those guys can chip in and join the program. I mean, I would have had him on the whole show, but, look, I can't keep these guys for their 
their Friday night. If you are drafting in the draft, we want to hear from you. The phone number is 657-383-0828. We'll be right back with an – I'm going to try to r- round up and see what's going on in this draft. There's a lot here. we got to, we got to digest it. This is Dr. Roto from ScoutFantasy.com, and my goal is to help you win your fantasy football league. Scout Fantasy has the most accurate player projections and rankings that come from real winners, not celebrity personalities who've never won a dime playing fantasy football. So I want you to come check out what we do at ScoutFantasy.com. Start your road to a fantasy football championship with Scout Fantasy. Scout Fantasy, where the best players play. Yeah, and that is no longer Scout Fantasy. It's ScoutFantasySports.com. I know I have some outdated commercials here, but hey, it is ScoutFantasySports.com. We are no longer part of the CBS Corp uh, style of Scout Fantasy. It's still here, ScoutFantasySports.com for everything. And I, and I wouldn't tell you this, but uh, you guys help keep the lights on here. Uh, it's, not, it's not easy hiring guys like Adam Ronis, Dr. Roto, Sean Childs, uh, they're some of the best players, and the country knows it, and they're, it's, it's very competitive out there. And we need to be able to keep uh, keep running, keep building you the best tools, keep bringing in the best talent, and keep producing this content. And you guys make it possible. Uh, definitely be a part of what we're doing and get access to exclusive contests. You get tools like our advanced ADP, which is an absolute gold. I got to tell you, back when Lou Tranquilla used to give out those ADP reports that broke down every single draft, that was the most amazing tool for me when I was a fantasy drafter. And that's what we do here as a Scout Fantasy Premium member. You do get access to the advanced ADP, uh, breaks down all of the big drafts uh, up to the minute, right before your big draft. You don't want the old average aggregate last 30 drafts. You want the last five to 10, and you want to see the high and the low, and you need to see it all. You need to see all the data. Is this an outlier? Was, is, is this number? Where, how did this number happen? Oh, somebody took him in the second round. No wonder that ADP is out. Let me scratch that second round pick out. I'm not going to put that one into my equation here. You need to be able to do all that uh, to really get to the heart of what your ADP is. Because when you show up for the draft, you can't count on outdated, crappy ADP, not competitive ADP. I want to know just my world championship drafts or just the online championship. Those are the kind of tools you get being a Scout Fantasy Premium member. Plus, Look, not that you need it, but every once in a while, you just need somebody to kind of give you the, the recognition that you're on the right track with this gut check call you've got on Sunday morning. And that's why our premium forums are so great. I always tell the story about in 2012, when I was sitting on vacation, we are my first trip to Maui for the family. It was absolutely a blast. And I was, I had a chance to win the RT sports championship, the $10,000 grand prize that they had going on there. And I had a decision to make. It was. Uh, week 16 for all the marbles, Reggie Bush or Stephen Ridley. And every site on the internet, gang, I'm, I'm going to tell you, you know, all the sites and all the rankings, they all said start Stephen Ridley. And I'm just sitting there and I'm stuck and it just doesn't feel right. And I'm like, you know what? We need to call somebody. And Ian's sitting there and he's like, let's call up, let's call up Z-Man. Let's call up Rob Zarzicki. Everybody remembers him, right? The high stakes WCOF. Call him up and he's like, Scott, start Reggie Bush. And he, and he said, just put it in the bank. Lock it in. You're going to get have a big day from him. So I did. I put it Reggie Bush in. Reggie Bush went on to score like 25 points. Like 20 of it was in the first half. So it was in the bag. Stephen Ridley had like three. Okay. It was night and day. And I said, my God, we have to bring the Rolodex from the high stakes players, the Lance Turbis, 
And, you know, because he's in the chat room, the Henry Mutos, the Kimra Slissers, the, the Larry Goldsteins, all the guys and the gals that were there, it was, that was what made this whole thing happen. We had to bring the Rolodex to the world, and that's what, it, what sparked it. This is exactly how it happened. Uh, Lance is saying, cool story. It was exactly the truth. And I won that 10 grand that day, and it was a big day. Uh, it, was, it was a lot of fun to have that happen, and, and that's what we're trying to do. We're still not there yet. We're getting close. We're getting better every year. But when Kimra Slisser can come out there and give you Alvin Kamara as her stash and cash, uh, or we can convince Chad Schroeder to give his picks, or Joe Jefferson. Uh, look, we're always looking for you guys. If you're a high-stakes player and you want to be a part of what Scout Fantasy is doing, definitely email us here uh, at Scout Fantasy Sports. Contact us. Shoot, hit us up on Twitter. Be a part of what we're doing. Get on in the message boards. Maybe you have a talent to write or be on the podcast. Um, or be a part of our annual preseason pro where you're giving out your sleeper, your breakout, your bust, your comeback player, your, and your stashing cash. It's just five picks. With a little bit of commentary, that's what people want. They don't want all of the deep dive analytics. There's a small percentage of people that do, and we do have some of that. Sean Childs is one of the best brainiacs in all of the, what's what we call him, the Rain Man. He's the fantasy Rain Man because he puts out so much in analytics and all the data. It's all data-driven projections. Uh, but a lot of people just want to consume the easy-to-consume content, and I think that's where the high-stakes community comes in. And that's what uh, that's what we try to do for uh, for the players because look they're trying to win too and they're trying to draft but they are willing to put their neck out there put their names on the line and give uh, give our community those those picks every year and it means a lot to us. Uh, let's get back to the draft. Uh, we we do have this draft. It's absolutely flying. You guys are doing a fantastic job already in the eighth round. Before we left for the pro, uh, commercial, Lashawn McCoy was just off the board at RB twenty eight uh, pound for pound. Wayne Ferguson took him. Uh, but I want to look at roster construction. We always talk about this. Quarterbacks are starting to go off the board. Aaron Rodgers went in the first quarterback with the fifth round. Uh, Bada Bing took him uh, at the uh, the 11 hole. That's Jim Scarnati. Uh, he takes Aaron Rodgers. And, hey, you lock in your quarterback. You don't have to worry. I mean, in the sixth round, Deshaun Watson is an upside pick, right? Uh, but you're paying for it. You're paying for a Deshaun Watson now to be the number three. You're paying for him maybe to hopefully be number one if you're paying that kind of a price. That's what you're hoping for uh, when Daily Double, Jerry Bryant, takes him in the, the first, the last pick of the sixth round, Deshaun Watson. I mean, that's not value. That's saying, I'm going to go get my guy, and I watch this guy play, and he can flat out ball and be the number one pick. Again, another player coming off an injury. There's Russell Wilson in the middle of the sixth round coming off the board as number two. And honestly, I think he's my number one. That team is going to be worse than it was last year. They're going to have to throw more than they were last year. The defense is not as good. So that means they're going to have to put up more points. Well, Russell Wilson's completely healthy now, and he showed it last year. He was getting out of the pocket. He's going to rush for more yards this year. He's going to throw for more yards. Uh, if Aaron Rodgers is not your number one or if Aaron Rodgers is off the board, totally support the Russell Wilson pick. And it's funny, Canadian geese kind of the same blueprint as last year, grabbing those tight ends early. Uh, with Jimmy Graham and then grabbing the, the quarterback with Russell Wilson and then sandwiching it with an Evan Ingram, who I absolutely think has tight end number one overall upside, right? If you guys watched how he plays, he's like a big tight end, uh, a big power forward that can post up and turn around and get the ball. Uh, Evan Ingram looked absolutely fantastic last year, finished number five on the year. Now there was a lot of uh, balls there where um, Odell Beckham wasn't there. And so he was getting a little bit of that work, but he's a red zone threat. He's a red zone threat, several touchdowns, three, four, five, five uh, touchdowns within the 
10 yards for Evan Ingram. Uh, that's a big number. 64 catches in his rookie campaign, 722 and 6. I look for that to improve this year. I think this guy is, is pushing on 75 balls, even with Odell Beckham back and Saquon Barkley in the fold. He looks really, really good. I totally support Evan Ingram uh, in the top five. Finished top five last year. Why not, why not again this year? Uh, Greg Olson is back, but uh, another year of age there. I, I would prefer the, uh, the young Evan Ingram. Let's look at some of these draft structures as we talk about it. I'm going to start back here at the back of the draft with uh, Team Idiot. Uh, that is the team name, I-D-E-E-O-T, Jonathan Anderson, big-time player at Scout Fantasy, very active with us. Let's see what he does. He takes Dalvin Cook with the first pick. Beckham, Demarius Thomas, Allen Robinson with the next three. Now, that's the kind of draft you need here at the FFWC because you start so many wide receivers, at least three up to five with the dual flex. You have 11-man starting lineup. We like to think that that 11-man starting lineup means you're able to flex your muscle a little bit and start that extra player every week when other people are struggling to put their lineup out there. And that's what he's done with Beckham, Demarius, and Allen Robinson. Now, am I a big fan of Demarius? No. But at the end of the third round, with a better quarterback situation, Case Keenum is a solid player. He proved it last year. He fed Thielen. He fed Diggs. He can, he can play in a fantasy uh, role. for uh, in, uh, He's on a different team now. Uh, but I like it. I think they're going to throw a lot this year. Demarius Thomas, wide receiver 16, has top 10 upside. And then Allen Robinson is brought into to Chicago to be the man uh, for Mitch Trubisky. And Allen Robinson, uh, disaster for fantasy players, you know, losing the entire season like that right out of the gate. It was uh, not, not fair to fantasy owners that draft him. You just don't know when stuff like that's going to happen. And it happens, and you're in Vegas. You're trying to celebrate with everybody. And then all of a sudden on Sunday, Allen Robinson is out. Let's take a call from the 515 area code. Who we got? Hey, it's Scott. It's Chris. How you doing? Hey, what's going on, Chris? You've got a draft uh, going this team. Uh, Chris Brommel for Harry Mary Monks from the eight hole, right? You got Kareem Hunt, Jarek McKinnon, and Alex Collins. Talk about that three RB start and specifically talk about McKinnon and Collins. Just this year's theme is guys with the highest upside. That's after the last few seasons, they're doing wide receivers. They've just been burned too much and going back to fundamentals of drafting three solid running backs based on the advice I've been given in the past. Well, look, you're, you're taking Jarek McKinnon here. Let's look at, let's look at um, what he's been able to do. Uh, I mean, granted he's, he's, he's got Garoppolo. He's got a new offense. That's an emerging offense and they broke the bank for this kid. They like what they saw because they're going to open this offense up and, and Shannon gets his toy, 150 attempts, 570 carry uh, a yards, three touchdowns, and then that 51 catches. That's what we, we think is going to be exploited here in San Francisco um, when we talk about Jarek McKinnon. And then you take Alex Collins. He looked unstoppable last year. What, what did you, you – you're talking upside there. There's other, there's other players with a lot of upside, but you decided to go running back there. Yeah, it's his job to lose, and I think he has most job security. No one really – I don't think Dixon's going to be challenging too much in the early in the season. I don't see how it plays on as – like I was telling some of the guys in the chat last year, lost Tannehill Hill in the finals, and I swore I would never let that happen again because I didn't have any quality backups. So I'm making sure mm-hmm. I have guys that aren't going to lose touches. 
Yeah. Back to the McKinnon. Uh, it was a real breakthrough. 991 combined yards. And, and the Vikings gave him uh, about 14 rushes over a seven-game span there. Uh, but he wasn't really doing a lot with him. He only gained 3.8 yards per carry. And it seemed like Murray was sort of the early down guy. Uh, but look, this is Shanny, and he's going to use two running backs. You got a little bit of Breda here in this offense. And Sean Childs, uh, when he when he did his outlook on him, he projected about 10 rushes a game, but a chance for that four balls, uh, four, four or five catches a game. So that, that's what you really need to see to make that pick work out. Uh, because he's, he's saying 225 touches. Jarek projects for about 1,150 yards with five to seven touchdowns, 65 catches. That's a good floor. That's a good floor for that type of a pick. But you had to turn down some really good wide receivers there. What made you take him over Julio Jones? Is it just the injury concern for Jones or something else? It's injury inconsistent at touchdowns, and I think last year was a fluke for him. I think he'll have a higher upside, but I think right, just like quarterbacks, there's more depth at wide receivers this year. So if you're looking for a 15-point guy with a floor, there's going to be plenty of those even as wide receiver twos on yeah. a consistent basis. Yeah, Julio um... – Julio's like this guy that you see everything is there. You've got the, the it's, it's like the rounders quote, right? The table set. You got the you got the, the the fine dining. You got the wine. You got the silverware. Everything. The salad is there, but there's no steak, right? You just you're missing the steak. We never get the steak with Julio uh, because here's the stat line: 88 catches, 1,444 yards. Three touchdowns. You never get the payday, right? I mean, this guy, how can you? And two of those touchdowns were in week 12. He went 12 for 253 and two. He should be doing that like half of the weeks of the season. This guy, there's no reason that Julio doesn't have 15 touchdowns a year. I just, I don't get it. Is it Matt Ryan? Is it Julio Jones? I'd love for somebody to answer that question because it, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Uh, Chris, you, you just had another pick there. You took Josh Dotson in the ninth round. Again, you're swinging for the fences. You got Tariq Cohen in the sixth round, another solid, really solid upside kid. And then, uh, look, Josh Gordon, Corey Davis. I mean, you are literally selling out. You are the exact opposite. <laughs> the exact opposite <laughs> of what Blaine Para does, which is safe and steady. You're taking the Terrell Priors and the Martavis Bryans this year, bro. I mean, I'm not saying though that's who they are. But you're taking the high upside. Guess. Now, look, I feel good about Corey Davis. I think he's extremely safe. I think eventually he's going to be that guy that we're taking in the second round. I don't know if that's going to be next year or not because we have to see it this year. Uh, but you also took Josh Gordon. I mean, another amazing upside type of wide receiver. So, look, I don't, li- I don't dislike the picks. It's just amazing how much upside your team has. I Like I said, I – too much dynasty. I'm a Josh Gordon Kool-Aid drinker, and he yeah. should take me to the promise last year, but it is what it is, and this year I'm not playing it safe anymore. These are, are a bunch of good guys in this draft, and I always look forward to this draft every year, and I'm going to win it this year after the third year of doing this. I like your chances because not only are did you make sure that each of these guys have a super high upside, I, I really feel like these floors are pretty safe here. I mean, Hunt, McKinnon, Collins. Now, now, Collins, I'm not so sure about his floor. 
okay? Because I'm really not sure what they're doing there uh, in Baltimore with the backfield. Now, it would suggest that Collins is the guy, but maybe his floor isn't there. But Gordon's, Davis, uh, Cohen is going to get more touches this year. Olsen, when he plays and he's healthy. Most of those guys have a pretty safe floor, so I like it. Is there any team here that stands out to you that, that you find interesting or you think is the team to beat? Uh, like, there we go. Like I said, I've been looking at all the teams. and They were pretty evenly matched. There's a couple, like Daily Double, who he's always gone, uh, five wide receiver sets along with the idiot team. If I'm, I hope I'm saying that right. I think There's so. a lot of good balance <laughs> teams. And everyone has their own – spin on things and I think that's what makes this particular fun is the history and all the trash talking going on is I wish I could have talked sooner but had some phone issues and was only able to draft yeah there I don't I haven't had a chance to pick apart these teams we're getting ready to do that right after this break Chris good luck with the rest of the draft you got more picks to go finish strong my man thanks for calling in we'll do see you in Vegas all right buddy Chris Brommel you know him as Harry Mary Monks huge huge dynasty player uh, if you're sitting at a draft table with him, you know you've got your work cut out for you uh, at the not only the draft table, but at the trade table. We'll be right back right after this break. This is Dr. Roto from ScoutFantasy.com, and my goal is to help you win your fantasy football league. Scout Fantasy has the most accurate player projections and rankings that come from real winners, not celebrity personalities who've never won a dime playing fantasy football. So I want you to come check out what we do at ScoutFantasy.com. Start your road to a fantasy football championship with Scout Fantasy. Scout Fantasy, where the best players play. That's it, man. ScoutFantasySports.com. Make sure you bookmark the new website for this year, ScoutFantasySports.com. You don't want to end up on the CBS version of the Scout Fantasy, the shadow of uh, the self. Look, it's it's a long story short, but Scout Fantasy Sports is uh, where all of your FFWC, your Adam Ronis, your Sean Child, your Dr. Roto, and the best players uh, from you guys at the Fantasy Football World Championships come and draft. Now, let's look at this draft a little bit more. We started breaking down uh, Idiot's team, uh, Jonathan Anderson's team. From the 12 hole, he went running back, then five wide with Crabtree and Cobb to finish out. Uh, then taking Jamal Williams in the seventh round. Love that pick. Think that's a fantastic value there. I know Aaron Jones. Uh, people are a little higher on Aaron Jones. Uh, but you've got to respect where Jamal Williams and what he did and what he looked like when he had the ball. Most people were calling him just a, an all-heavy-duty kind of downfield runner, good, good in the cold weather. But he proved he had a little bit more in the tank than just that. Uh, I think it's going to be a very stiff competition this year for that, for that backfield. Jamal Williams is going to be a big part of that. I think he's undervalued. You're getting him in the seventh round right now. Uh, 153 carries, 556 yards, four touchdowns. But he's part of this offense. 25 catches for 260 and two. You saw him do a little bit of everything in the second half of that season. And I think you're going to see that again. I mean, we saw 20 point. Look, look at this. Week 12, 13, and 14. Money weeks in fantasy football. Everybody seems to ignore it. 29 fantasy points, 20 fantasy points, and 30 fantasy points. I mean, you got to like that. And that was a lot of Brett Hundley action. You give him Brett Favre, and that offense will be even more potent. I mean, they were able to stack the box on Jamal Williams, and he was still doing uh, double duty there. So some big games. Uh, against Pittsburgh, Tampa, and Cleveland in that part of the of the year, Pittsburgh, Tampa, and Cleveland. And uh, look, he didn't have a game with under uh, 10 carries uh, in the second half of the season. 
uh, again, Aaron Jones flashed well, looked good. He's got his own problems, though. And so getting value on Jamal Williams, I'm surprised he lasted that long. Has Aaron Jones uh, been drafted? I don't think he has. Nope, Aaron Jones. Okay, so he'll he'll be going here uh, pretty soon, I would imagine. Let's look at the 11-hole. Bada-bing. Bada-bing takes. This is Jim, Jim Scarnati, another FFWC veteran. Melvin Gordon, can't fault that pick. Leonard Fournette, matter of fact, I almost want to flip that, you know? But there's a good chance that Gordon wouldn't have gotten it back. I kind of like Fournette this year more than Melvin Gordon because that Jacksonville defense is just so amazing. It's going to give them the ball back so many times. And Fournette, uh, if he can stay healthy, those bigger backs, more difficult staying healthy. Six foot 228. Uh but wow, what a what a what a breakout season he had! 268 carries, 1,040 rushing yards, nine touchdowns last year, 36 catches. So he's catching the ball too. Those three, four catches a game that means the world to your scoring. If you're not getting that, uh, you end up being more in the you know, I, I hate to say it, but you're 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 more of the Latavius Murray, Alex Collins player without those receptions, right? You need those receptions to kind of stay up there and he's you know case in point he is a top 10 running back but he has the lowest receiving the lowest receptions out of any of the top 11 okay so he does just enough at everything and i'll bet you leonard fournette is a double digit touchdown guy this year double digit touchdown guy this year when you talk about melvin gordon the only thing you're really concerned about is him you know being able to just stay out there and keep it going. His yards per carry hasn't been fantastic. Let's just think we can all sit with it and say, yeah, he can't break four yards a carry. This is a problem. He's not a great uh, quality guy for some reason with this offensive line uh, and this scheme. He's not hitting the holes like he needs to, but they keep feeding him the ball and there's nobody else to really do it. Uh, Austin, a killer and all those guys look 284 carries, 58 receptions. He's a volume back. That's a definition of a volume back. He's going to get the work. You can't turn that down. You can't turn it down. So nothing wrong with that pick, but we just haven't seen the, the, the true upside from Melvin Gordon outside of the volume that he gets. So it's Gordon Fournette start, Larry Fitzgerald, taking him as your number one. That's going to be the question mark for Jim Scarnati. Bada bing here from the 11 hole. Can Larry Fitz hold down the fort? Uh, and we know how important the wide receiver position is. He doesn't take another wide receiver until round nine with Rashard Matthews and round 10, Kenny Galladay. If that format, let's just say it this way. If Kenny Galladay or Rashard Matthews can be a number two wide receiver, then Bada Bing probably wins this league because he sacrificed wide receiver to load up at other positions and beat you. He's beating you with the quarterback, Aaron Rodgers. He's beating most teams with tight end with Zach Ertz. He's beating you with running back with Gordon and Fournette as his combo. So I'm going to add to it. It's a caveat. Larry Fitzgerald has to be a number one wide receiver. And I'm not going to talk about the specifics of our premium article. There's an article at Scout Fantasy Sports right now that talks about Larry Fitzgerald in depth, in detail, and it's insider info from the coaching staff, somebody inside the team that we talked to. And it breaks down this situation about Larry Fitzgerald and can he be trusted? That's all I'll say. Uh, 
but he 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 after Zertz and Rogers, then he takes Jay Ajayi and Tevin Coleman. So he makes we, we say this a lot. If you can't if you can't you don't want to chase, right? The last thing you want to do is chase a wide receiver too. So I get it. You took Ertz and Rodgers. You wanted to be ahead of the game at tight end and running back or at quarterback. And then you don't want to end up chasing the wide receivers and being behind. So you do what's called making your strengths stronger. And he wants to get that lock in that RB3, lock in that RB4 with Tevin Coleman. And that is a two-back backfield now, right? It's a two-back backfield. Uh, Devontae Freeman is no longer the, you know, the, the, the total package uh, running back that he showed off in that first breakout year, he's sharing this ball. He's sharing this rock with Tevin Coleman. And honestly, I think Tevin Coleman has RB one upside catch the ball. He can be the best pass catching back in the entire league. In my opinion that I've seen him play. I, I, I've followed him his entire career, uh, even through college. Cause he played at Indiana. Uh, this this is a guy that that can can do it all if if given the chance. Uh, but you're not going to get the chance, and you're not going to get Devontae Freeman off the field. So they're going to share carries. But if one of them gets hurt, you now have a gold mine on your hands for a running back that's going to get a ton of work. Uh, that's why I like taking them, uh, and I don't I don't mind it at all. Um, let me pull up something here. I've got a tool. I want to pull up right here. Okay, here we go. And I scroll down and I take a look at the backfield situation in Atlanta. Here we go. 215 attempts for Devontae Freeman, 150 for Tevin Coleman. There's the projections. So they're gonna they're really gonna split that at 4.3, 4.2 yards of carry. And then reception wise, again, they're splitting that too. 39 catches, 31 catches for Coleman. So Sean's just like uh, just like I am. I, it's going to be an uptick for Tevin Coleman, and and e- even more of a of a share for him. So uh, I will tell you last last thing on Jim Scarnati. I love the Kenny Galladay pick. I really do. Uh, I I think this kid has breakout potential all over him. We've already seen a, a flashes of it last year, but there's not a lot of work going anywhere. Both those receivers aren't going anywhere. I think we're a little low on on Marvin Jones projections. But Sean is Sean is banking on that breakout too. He has Kenny Galladay projected for fifty six catches. Fifty six catches. Uh and and six touchdowns for Galladay. So he, like I do, feels the same way. You've got to find a way. They're they're very first of all, the team is very excited about Galladay. Him out there on the field makes this offense work. And so somebody has to suffer. And right now the person that suffers the most is Marvin Jones. And he had a fantastic season. He's a specimen. He's a beast. He's got it all. But they've got to get Galladay on the field more in three wide receiver sets and even two wide receiver sets with Golden Tate. Uh, And that means Marvin Jones is going to have to share that role a little bit more. You're going to see probably a downtick for Marvin Jones and an uptick for Kenny Galladay. And if there's an injury to either of those guys, that's when your Kenny Galladay pick can absolutely be lightning uh, lightning in a bottle for you with Matt Stafford. Uh, wide receiver 53 for Kenny Galladay. Well done with that one. Let's move on to Mr. Pink, Andrew Palermo, one of the better players here as well. Finished second place in this league in, in just a couple of years ago. 
so he knows what it takes to get into the playoffs and into that championship game. Keenan Allen, Michael Thomas start from the 10 hole. I don't fault you for taking Keenan Allen there. This is the FFWC where wide receivers reign supreme. I, I, I wonder if you wouldn't have wanted a running back anchor there, uh, like a Gordon or a Fournette. But you know what? Keenan Allen, especially with the injury to Hunter Henry, probably most people are not giving that as much credit as they should. But Andrew is, and he's taking Keenan Allen uh, where he, he belongs because this is a guy that's going to catch 100 balls or more, right? This is this is Keenan Allen, and he's and he's the the only thing that's changed is there's more balls. Uh, I mean, Mike Williams is going to feed into this a little bit, uh, for sure. Uh, but uh, but other than that, it's it's Keenan Allen show. It's Philip Rivers and Keenan Allen. This is what they do. They, they, they this is what we've seen. 105 catches is a real number. 110 catches can happen for Keenan Williams, uh, and, and touchdowns. There's He's an eight, eight to ten touchdown type of guy, and that's with a big season from Mike Williams. That's with a decent season from Tyrell Williams. I mean, you know, I think Mike Williams is your breakout candidate there, not Tyrell Williams. I think it'll be Mike Williams if he can stay healthy. Uh, but Rivers just throws a ton. He's gonna throw uh, close to six hundred times. Let's face it, he's gonna throw close to six. This is an improved defense. This is a great team. This is a team with playoff aspirations that just lost a major, major piece of this offense, major piece of this puzzle here. I mean, I know they're going to try to fill it in with Antonio Gates. I don't, they can't. I would be trying to find a tight end somehow, some way through a trade. If you want to go to the playoffs, this is your window. This is your window with Phillip Rivers, with Melvin Gordon, with Keenan Allen, with Mike Williams. This is your window. I would love to see them find a way to grab a tight end somewhere, somehow. Is there a tight end? Is there a tight end that's not getting his chance somewhere? Can anybody think of a name of a tight end that's not getting his chance somewhere? Um, hmm. Uh, you know, John U. Smith for the Tennessee, you know, uh, you're, they're not going to get rid of him because they know that Delaney is, is, is aging, you know, uh, the Rams, you know, they have a couple of tight ends there. There's Tyler Higby and Gerald Everett. I would take either one of those guys right now over Antonio Gates. I can't believe I just said that, uh, but it's true. How about Cameron Brait? There you go. Look, it's time to move on from Cameron Brait. You got OJ Howard. I would love to see the Chargers do, you know, get, some kind of a trade for Cameron Brait, and Brait would be the star that he could be in that offense, right? There you go. That's one that I can think of right there. That's the best one that I can think of, uh, because really you, you you can't go to war with Antonio Gates at this at this stage. I really don't think so. Michael Thomas. I like Michael Thomas probably more than Keenan Allen. I think he's going to be an absolute monster this year. Uh, Travis Kelsey at three ten. A questions for me every time I think about drafting Travis Kelsey, I'm thinking about Pat Mahomes. I'm thinking about this offense and how it's changed. And can Travis Kelsey keep up with the incredible pace that he was on with Alex Smith? I mean, it's easy for us to sit here and say that he'll do that. It's another thing to do it. It's another thing to do it. Uh, Travis Kelsey last year, 83 catches, 1,038 and eight touchdowns. That's the type of year you need to justify that third round pick. 
He had 85 for 11, 25, and 4 the year before. That's chemistry with Alex Smith. I've seen the film and the footage of of Pat Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill, and I'm all playing and joking around. There's definitely chemistry there. I want to assure everybody there is chemistry, but that's not on the field chemistry. That's off the field chemistry. There's a difference, right? There's a difference. So when I see him joking around and playing around off the field, that's great. I want to see that, but I also want to see it on the field. And you're taking Travis Kelsey in the third round like there's no struggle and no hurdle here at all. And there is, there is, there has to be, um, there has to be uh, this transition take place and it's got to happen fast. You don't have weeks to spare and weeks to lose in the FFWC. Okay. You do have a 13 week regular season, which helps. Derek Henry is uh, Mr. Pink's uh, RB one. I like that pick. Julian Edelman, Jordy Nelson follows that up as his three and his four wide receiver. And then Chris Thompson, who's very underrated, uh, as his number two RB. Now, can you trust Chris Thompson as your RB two? That's what that's what Andrew is asking us to do. Trust Chris Thompson as his RB two. We'll also trust Derrick Henry as your RB one. And if you watch that playoff game against the New England Patriots, didn't every one of you say, "Oh my God, this is the guy that's going to be a first, second round pick next year"? And then. What happened is NFL free agency happened and Deion Lewis comes to town. If there's a healthy Deion Lewis, it's a real, real threat to Derrick Henry uh, getting catching those balls that he needs to catch. He's not DeMarco Murray. He's not catching those balls if Deion Lewis is catching those balls. If, if Deion Lewis is catching those balls, then Derrick Henry's PPR scoring value is taking a huge hit. That's how it works. Uh, you've got to have those those balls to go around. And so Derrick Henry, without – I mean, Deion Lewis, you know, that's that's what he's known for. But he also can run between the tackles. He had 180 carries last year for 896 yards, only 32 receptions. Uh, we could be looking at a Derrick Henry like we look at a Jordan Howard right now. Jordan Howard doesn't really – he catches the ball a little bit. If Jordan Howard could catch the ball more, he'd be a top, you know, top 10, top 10 back. Right now he's in the top 15 with 23 receptions. That's Derrick Henry with Deion Lewis on the field. Uh, we talked about Chris Thompson being somebody you could trust as your RB2, and that's the big question mark. There's got to be a big, big old question mark. Can we trust him? 39 catches on the year last year. I like seeing that. Uh, and we could have seen even more in the last five weeks of the season. Let's just round that up to about 50 catches we probably would have seen had he played the entire season. There's a rule of thumb in fantasy football, folks. If you catch 50 balls as a running back, you're a top 10 running back, okay? Only one running back in the league. Uh, Let me scratch that. Uh, Two running backs in the league caught 50 balls or more. uh, I'm sorry, three running backs caught 50 balls or more and didn't finish in the top 15. Jarrett McKinnon, only 150 carries. Theo Riddick, only 80 carries, and Tariq Cohen, only 87 carries, okay? When you have, when you're going to get the carries, then you're, you're, you're safe for that. Now, Chris Thompson's not big enough to get enough carries, okay? But he's big enough to catch 50 balls and fly around the field doing it. And you like seeing that. If he can catch 50 balls, you know, he's more like a Duke Johnson in that regard. He's smaller than Duke Johnson, by the way. Duke Johnson's 5'9", 210". Let me click on Chris Thompson. 
190. A lot smaller, okay? He's a lot smaller than Duke Johnson. So, uh, and you see it when he's flying around the field. He reminds me of Shady McCoy, but he's nothing built. He's not built anything like Shady McCoy. He's got the shirt untucked. He's flying around the field, and he looks he looks good doing it. Let's take a call from the 270 as I'm sitting here rambling, uh, working my way through this draft board. 270, what you got? Hey, Scott. It's Philip Aria. Hey, Big Phil. Hub City uh, out of the two-hole tonight. How's it going, my man? I'm not liking it at all. <laughs> no? Okay. All right. No. Well, let's, let's, I mean, let's talk, it's, hard, talk to, it it's hard, to get, hard to get quality running backs out of the two spots with uh, drafting against these guys. Yeah. Well, look, you know, you've got when one. You're, um, yeah, but he's going to have to be two people. He is. Yeah. He basically so, is. You, I always make that joke about those t- first couple of backs. He's basically one and a half to two two running backs by yourself. Right. So, I mean, I I tried to just get some uh, PPR wide receivers yeah. to uh, offset that, and now I'm just trying to fill in back with the running backs. So, hopefully it'll work out. Well, let's talk we'll about see. it. Uh, let's let's talk about it, brother. I mean, Joe Mixon, you took, and for everybody listening at home, uh, Phil drafted out of the two-hole. He took his Zeke Elliott over Le'Veon Bell, which is fine and fair. And then at the two-hole, uh, you took Joe Mixon. Now, the other wide receivers that were there, uh, again, this is a very competitive draft. This is the toughest draft board I've seen this year. And, and you'd probably agree with me here because I haven't seen a third round this devoid of like choices, right? I mean, it's, it's already, it's, it's happening. Uh, Joe Mixon is your choice. Uh, You could have went wide receiver here, but you decided to take Joe Mixon and this is a make or break pick. If Joe Mixon resorts to, you know, uh, not progressing and letting Giovanni Bernard sort of be the leader because he's a veteran, uh, you're going to have a hole here, right, to dig out of. Exactly. But what did you like? About, what, what do you see about Joe Mixon? Because you're you're from the area, you get to watch a lot of Bengals games. Well, actually, I hate to admit it, but I'm a Bengals fan. You know, they've helped. Uh, they've tried to improve their offensive line. Um, I think they're going to try to run the ball a little bit more mm-hmm. with Mixon. Um, I was kind of hoping on to get maybe T.Y. Hilton coming back to me in the third round, but that didn't work out. So. Um, but anyway, I just uh, he performed pretty good last year under you know not so good circumstances. So hopefully he can progress a little bit in the sophomore campaign. Yeah, look, it was a slow start for Mixon. We all thought we we all wanted to see more. Uh, but in weeks eleven and twelve, they started giving him carries. They gave him twenty carries then. They gave him twenty three carries, and over the last five games, he gained you know four hundred or so yards with touchdown and nine catches. And that, I mean, it's just, it's, it wasn't what we wanted to see, but we, we really, I mean, everybody knows that he has three down ability. He just, he did what rookies do, Phil. He struggled in pass protection, right? Right. And, right. And he's exactly. got to, he's got to get over that. And if he can, if he can protect the quarterback, then they can give him that, you know, 250 to 300 carries that he needs. And, you know, then, then you can sit there with his 30, 30 plus catches and eight to 10 touchdowns. That's what he needs to, to be able to justify well, that draft pick. And, you know, if he gets 300 carries, I'll be happy because, oh, you yeah. know, that'll put him way over a thousand and probably 12 to 1300 yards and, yeah. you know, seven or eight touchdowns maybe. So that'd, that'd be, if he gets 300 carries and, you know, another 25 to 30 receptions, that'd be good. 
Well, he's not getting that, but uh, two hundred. Let's say, let's say two forty. If he gets two forty, I would feel good about the pick. Two forty, right. average four yards a carry. You basically you, you you're real close to a thousand rushing yards, and he'll get you thirty to thirty five receptions with that too. And so that would be fine. That would be fine there because you turned down some really good receivers there, like you said, T. Y. Hilton, Doug Baldwin, very safe, right? You went the right, exactly. uh, here, here it is again. You went the opposite of what we were trying to teach with Canadian geese winning this thing three years in a row. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But, you know, I'm, I, I, I will, you know, I will not take a tight. I don't care. You know, there's only three or four good ones that you can actually trust to uh, get you consistent points, and yeah. I'm just not going to chase that. Uh, it's not, it's not in my nature, and just like. I, I don't like this to two hole because I'm a running back guy. Always have been, always will be. And getting running backs with this uh, drafting against these guys, it's very hard to do out of the two hole. You know, you're going to yeah. get one, but getting two is going to be extremely difficult. No, nope. no, you're totally right. You're totally right. Well, Phil, let's look one last thing here. Uh, you, you go Adam Thielen, you go Jameson Crowder. Those are solid, solid wide receivers. You go Royce Freeman. In the fifth round, taking another um, – I don't want to say that they're flyers. You're taking another shot. I feel like you're taking a shot. Right, exactly. The backfield is well, just pretty thin there. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. I only had two running backs, and um, I just felt like he was probably the best on the board. I knew he was a uh, – like I said, you're taking a shot, hoping that he you know, has a good – Basically, I'm trying to find a Kareem Hunt or Kamara. Uh, Kamara. So, you know, hopefully it'll work out. But, yep. you know, we never know until they uh, start kicking lace the ball. Them up. Yeah, until they lace them up. Mike Williams in the sixth round, another high upside guy. But then you go back to playing it safe with Emmanuel Sanders. Did you consider McCoy there at all, or what was your take on McCoy? I thought about it because I heard you talking about it, but I, I'm now – I wasn't going to take McCoy. No, I just I wasn't going to do it. I don't blame you. Emmanuel Sanders gets you your points. You know he's going to be on the field, you know, and he's got a right. better quarterback throwing the ball this year. So. Yeah, Keenan, you know, Keenan can turn, you know, uh, Thomas and Sanders' seasons around like you did. Same with the digs. I, it, it'll work out. All right, my man. Well, keep it rolling. Kirk Cousins was your uh, – a QB, you still haven't got a tight end. I sure hope you have a plan for that. Uh, hopefully somebody doesn't snipe you now that I'm bringing it up. Um, you need a tight end this round. But, you know, there, there's plenty of them out there, it feels like, this year. Yeah, I mean, once you get past the, I'd say, the top five, you know, they're all about the same. And, you know, you'll pick one up you know, and you try to stream them. I mean, I've streamed them before, you know, and mm-hmm. it's worked out pretty good. And okay just to try to play the matchups and see who you can get to plug in that spot. Well, I think you're destined for, um, I think you're destined for, uh, I don't see, I don't see the list of who's available, but I'm trying to scan the draft board a little bit here. And maybe it's, um, maybe it's a Cameron Brait. Maybe it's a, well, uh, I, 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 I had, I got, on a Hooper late the other day in the other online championship draft, Cameron Bray like would be happy with. You'd, you'd be okay yeah. with Hooper? I mean, yeah. yeah. Uh, Bray's okay. Judy had, what, 10 touchdowns last year? 
Uh, kind of like Gerald Everett a little bit this year because, you know, he didn't perform real well last year, but that's his uh, rookie season. So I think, that's uh, right. you know, I can hold off and maybe even pick him up a little bit later. I, and you know, I, 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 like I've, I've got a, I've got another bullet I can fire a little bit later. So. Okay. <laughs> All right, my man. Well, There's good luck. There's plenty of them out there that might do something. All right, man. Good thanks. Luck. See you in Vegas. Thanks for calling. Okay. See you, buddy. Yeah. All right. That was Phil Hartledge. You know him from the Scal Fantasy Show, calling in, talking to Doc and Adam. And you, if you haven't met Big Phil out in Vegas, you will this year at the Palms Resort and Casino. Completely remodeled. Absolutely beautiful, gorgeous. You got to check out the pics that I posted on Facebook and Twitter and the story that they, uh, how much money they put into this place. It's absolutely incredible what they've what they've done. Looks like we're on a little bit of a quarterback run here. We've got six quarterbacks gone in about the last uh, about the last thirteen picks here. We've got we we see six quarterbacks: Luck, Goff, Matt Ryan, Roethlisberger, Rivers, Mariota. So, uh, you know, there was a team that passed on quarterback on the turn. Um. I was a idiot, Jonathan Anderson. Not, by the way, that's his team name. We're not calling him an idiot. Okay, his team name is Idiot. Okay, uh, he passed on quarterback, and they're making him pay. It looks like. Uh, so we'll see if that continues. I, I think most people don't want to load up anymore on any quarterback. So I think they'll they'll let him off the hook and let him have one here. But uh, let's keep it going. We were we were finishing up with Mr. Pink, Andrew Palermo. From the 10-hole, he started off with Keenan Allen, Michael Thomas, Travis Kelsey, Derek Henry, Julian Edelman, Jordy Nelson, a couple of older guys there. Um, Jordy's on a new team this year with Derek Carr. We'll see how that works out. But, hey, as your wide receiver four, I don't think he's really worried about Jordy Nelson hurting him too much. We talked about Chris Thompson. There's a Rex Burkhead pick there with the 34th running back off the board in the eighth round. And I'll tell you, this is just – the the weirdest situation with Rex Burkhead, Sony Michelle, James White, you just still don't know what New England is going to do. Now, I th- I said that Sony Michelle has the talent to defy Bill Belichick and his use of rotating backs. That's what everybody's most concerned with, right? We're all concerned that you don't know what you're going to get week in and week out. But Sony Michelle has the talent. The only question that I have is, is it even possible, even if you have the talent, to keep the other backs off the field when it's James White, Rex Burkhead, uh, and then you even throw in a Jeremy Hill. I mean, this is also a team that, you know, they're going to rush a bunch. 447 rushing attempts is what Sean has them projected for. 1,900 rushing yards. This is a big rushing season for New England. By the way, this could – if anybody can break out, it'll be Sony Michelle. And if you watched him play in Georgia, you know why. Go YouTube him. Watch his games. If you didn't watch him – if you don't watch college football, watch Sony Michelle YouTube, and you'll see why New England was so excited to draft for this kid. Sony Michelle. But if you're getting him in the fifth round, you better hope uh, – you better hope that he can do it because you're drafting him – uh, and you're and you're turning down. Let's let's look let's look at the draft board. You're turning down uh, solid players. Obviously, Aaron Rodgers here, Julian Edelman, Michael Crabtree, Randall Cobb, Jay Ajayi, Jordy Nelson, Sammy Watkins, Tariq Cohen, Mark Ingram. You know what? I'm totally cool with that. 
you know, I don't like this spot in the draft. Actually, I'm, I'm just rolling off those names. I really don't like the back end of that fifth and early sixth part of that round. I just don't like it at all. So I'm totally fine with you taking a flyer there. It's not a Canadian geese type of pick, though. It's not a Canadian geese type of pick. Now, Canadian geese, by the way, did take a Ronald Jones. We'll get to that in a, in a little bit. But let's keep it going uh, with Mr. Pink finishing up with Crowell, Lockett, gets his quarterback with Carson Wentz. Um, so, and he, and he backs up his um, – he gets another New England Patriot here with Rex Burkhead. He gets James White, too. So he has to have a couple of – he's got three New England Patriots. He also has Julian Edelman. So solid effort here from Andrew. You, you got to wonder if Derrick Henry can be the one with the receptions that he, that he needs to be. Chris Thompson or Burke, he's flexing the RB2 week in to week out, but I don't know if you're going to know if Burkhead or White's going to be the guy from week to week. Maybe it's Crowell. You know, you're kind of be flexing that RB2 all year long, uh, but the wide receivers are going to be solid. Allen Thomas, Edelman for the three, Nelson for the four. You got to feel good about that. Lock it with a five. Big upside swing for the field, uh, swing for it with Christian Kirk down here in the 13th round. Uh, and then you're getting Travis Kelsey. So it's a, so it's a good effort couple of question marks at the RB, and we'll see if he can't uh, bring it home. Let's look at the nine hole. We're looking at Henry Hole, Brock Garner, DeAndre Hopkins, Devontae Adams, Rob Gronkowski. Very solid start. Zero question marks if Rob Gronkowski is on the field. Uh, fantastic start. Now you start to look at the running backs. What's he going to do when he doesn't have a running back through the first three rounds? He takes Kenyon Drake. His only other options were, they were all gone. He's already at RB20 at that point. I think he has to be ecstatic, if I'm him, that Kenyon Drake fell to that spot because RB20, two backs. He took Rob Gronkowski praying to God probably that either Henry or Drake would make it back to him because those are the only established names left. That's it. And it, and it happened. So the vibe for Brock is feeling really good at that point. Then he comes back and he swings for it with Sony Michelle. And you know what? When I was getting ready to, when I, when I said that earlier, I thought that I wasn't going to like that pick there, but the receivers there don't throw me at all. If the receivers there don't throw me at all. And I'm not a quarterback early guy. So, Hey, take a swing for it. Okay. I'm with you. I'm with you, Brock. I'm riding this one with you. Sammy Watkins with the sixth pick. Uh, look, I mean, is Sammy Watkins a six round player? He used to be taken, you know, but when he was when he was healthy and he was on Buffalo, you know, he was a second round pick. He was a second round pick. So what's changed? Has he lost his speed? Maybe the first year back from injury you do. Maybe that's what we saw in LA. There wasn't really room for him in LA. He never really fed in. And it he's probably gonna have a little bit of that problem here because Travis Kelsey and Tyree Hill are taking balls. So are so is Kareem Hunt. So it's a really interesting situation. But as I look at the other wide receivers that are there, Devin Funches, Robbie Anderson, Chris Hogan, I, I can see why you take Sammy Watkins there. I mean, I really can. Um, I might even take a running back and just pass on the wide receiver. See, that's why, that's why it almost feels like something – I missed my wide receiver three there. But you know what? Sammy Watkins is a wide receiver three, so I'm perfectly fine with that. Let's keep it rolling. Lamar Miller, undervalued player at RB29. You know why? I know Dante Foreman. I, I, I shared videos of Dante Foreman being a, a beast. He can run the ball. He's got a lot of size. But he's coming off 
a serious, serious, okay, when bigger backs have injuries like he had, uh, it's not so easy to come back, okay? Lamar Miller is somebody that you're not um, excited about, you're not thrilled about, you're like, eh, matter of fact, he was a lot of people's bust last year, eh, but Donta Foreman suffered an Achilles injury. That's a terrible, terrible injury, especially made worse when you're a bigger back. To me, Lamar Miller, and I was talking to uh, somebody the other day, to me, Lamar Miller represents a, a crappy but surprisingly valuable value play. I'm not excited or thrilled, but there's a couple of things to like. Well, first of all, the competition factor. I don't think there's going to be a lot of competition because I think a bigger back like Foreman is going to, it's going to take him some time to be at full speed with, with after an Achilles injury. If he ever gets back, I, I, I'm not, uh, you, you can read reports and listen to him or whatever until I see him on the field. It's Lamar Miller's show. Secondly, this is Deshaun Watson team, man. This team is going to get you into the end zone and Deshaun Watson coming off an injury I'm not going to run it with him. I'm going to try to keep Deshaun Watson in the pocket as much as I can. He's got a great arm, great, great instincts. Give him, let him hand the ball off to Lamar Miller. Running back 29 in the seventh round is Lamar Miller. Come on, guys. What are we missing here? Let me go to Sean's projections real quick. Here we go. Lamar Miller, 223 carries. He's got 107 for Foreman. I don't know if that's true. I think it might be even higher for Lamar Miller, actually. Now, he's only got him at 3.8 yards per carry. Really? I don't know. I don't know. I think he could do – he may be able to do better than that. 37 catches. I, I want to I pick somebody's brain. Uh, let's, 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 pull on, uh, let's pull in the 239. This is Dr. Roto. Doc, uh, we're talking about Lamar Miller. Now, I know this is not a player that you like. This is not a player you will ever vouch for. Seventh round, RB29. He finishes RB16 last year. I think it's a solid pick. It is. You know I hate Lamar Miller, but what, yeah. I'll say this. I will take anybody at the right time. And right. Miller in the seventh round is, is really good value. I, I could have made an argument that he was maybe a fifth-round pick. You know, when you're taking Sony Michelle, Deion Lewis, Freeman, right. Ajayi, that Ingram, right. that whole group there. So yeah. that he's going a couple rounds later is pretty good. Yeah, Dr. Roto joins us at Dr. Roto on Twitter. He's obviously our senior fantasy analyst here at Scout Fantasy Sports. Uh, there's, a, there's a lot here. I'm breaking down the team by teams. I'm going to be doing that for the rest of the show. Uh, and, we, and we've broken down quite a few of them. Is there anything so you, who's, your favorite team? Sort of, who's your favorite team? I, I don't know if I've gotten that far yet. I, I'll, I'll, I'll try to reserve that for later uh, before the end of the draft. <laughs> uh, do you have a favorite team already? Have, have you had a chance? I like what Big Phil's doing at number two. I didn't like his Peyton Barber move. I would have liked a tight end there, but I really like up through round 11. Elliott, Mixon, Freeman is nice, and all those receivers with Cousins. I think that's a really good start. So I thought he okay. did a great job. And, of course, you know, Blaine and, you know, Kurt do great jobs as well. So, But I, I thought Big Phil was really was standing out there. What do you think about Blaine Parra winning this thing three years? And, and talk about that for a second, just how hard it is to win a league like this three years in a row and almost impossible to win four years in a row. Look, all credit to the guy. I mean, you got to, you got to give it up to him. 
there are a lot of good people who are playing this league. You know, Jerry and Phil and Kurt and, and Chris, there are a lot, of, a lot of good people out there in this league. So that he's winning three years in a row says a lot for him. So Phenomenal. whether or not I love his draft strategy or not, I don't, but it's working for him. Right. So what can I tell you? Right. And, and we talked about this with Adam to start the program, uh, that if you look back at his strategy that won last year, Bell, Gronk, Adams, Larry Fitzgerald, Rogers, Ingram, Peterson, Ertz, Delaney Walker, Alan Hearns, Ted Ginn. Put me to it's really it's the type of draft where you're just like, I didn't take any shots. I didn't really go out on any limbs. I'm not really making any statements with my draft. I'm just drafting and I'm taking players who don't suck to, to steal one from Tommy G, right? So <laughs> he did get he did get Juju Smith Schuster from uh, waiver wire for twelve bucks. We talked about that on the blind bidding, and he got Jarrett McKinnon in the nineteenth round. But other than that, it's just a nice solid draft from top to bottom. He had Aaron Rodgers, but he also had Matt Stafford. So when Rodgers went down, he plugged Stafford in. He doesn't miss a beat. And sometimes, you know, drafting guys who don't suck is a way to win a championship. It, it really is. You keep it simple. Don't don't mess it up. And I think that people tend to mess their drafts up. And, and I think that's the problem, right? They try to do too much. They try to overthink it. Take the best player, get a guy to good value, uh, you know, build some depth on your team. These teams are, are so important. 20-round drafts, we start 11 guys. You need depth on your roster. Guys that get injured, there's bye weeks. You need your fifth and sixth running back and your fifth and sixth receivers to be good. If they're unplayable, you're not winning. Yep. Uh, th- this draft, I'm, I'm just putting out a tweet here, letting everybody know that you are, you are joining us, breaking this down. Uh, I, I, he, that team last year finished number three overall, almost won the whole damn thing, right? From the entire competition of a thousand teams. Uh, that team oh, the that online championship? Yeah, that team won the entire, almost the entire thing, finished third overall. And so he took Gronk as his tight end one he took Ertz as his tight end two and Delaney Walker as his yeah. tight end three. he had three tight ends in the first uh you know, in, the, Scott, in the first nine picks Scott I don't know if you remember I was number two overall and my first three picks were running backs and then in rounds five I took Travis Kelsey in round seven I took Zach Ertz in the first seven rounds I had three running backs and two tight ends and Larry Fitzgerald was my one receiver you can win this from many different ways. I thought when right. I drafted that that team was going to be a joke, and I came in second overall. So what can right. I tell you? Sometimes you get lucky. You have the right players. Carson Wentz was a jewel for my team. I'm sure he was for a lot of other teams. So if you draft smart early and you get lucky late, you could be my rich friend. Let's talk about Team Havelinas for a second. Kirk Kikis from the five hole. Uh, when you're on the clock and the top four running backs are gone, we talked about this. Uh, you, you're, you're faced with Kamara, Antonio Brown, Saquon Barkley. That's basically what most people are feeling. Uh, wh- where do you, do you do you go, Kamara? There, do you, do you do that nine times out of ten? I, I, it's, it's a good pick. I mean, it's a good pick. I have no problem with that pick. I know a lot of people will go Antonio Brown, but I think what we learned last year is you don't want to not have a running back. So I think a lot of people are going to go Kamara or Barkley, and I have no problem with that. You know, you could go Brown there, and I can live with it, and you get running backs later. But you could take Kamara there. I need to see Barkley. I think the world of Barkley, I really do. But Kamara is a proven commodity, and he's uh, pretty awesome. So, I mean, especially without Mark Ingram for the first four weeks. Uh, look, Kerr knows what he's doing. He's a great player. He takes Kamara there. I'm fine with it. 
Yeah, Kamara, Christian McCaffrey finished starting his draft very strong. He's got to be really happy. Then comes back with Diggs at 3-5, Cooper with 4-8, Garcon with 5-5, and then Funchess. Now, uh, Diggs, what, what a great way to end the season. Cooper, in, he's now a fourth-round pick because of he didn't have Derek Carr, like a, like a healthy Derek Carr, right? I mean, that, that was pretty much why, right? You lose Crabtree, you replace it with Jordy. You would think Cooper is going to go back to elevating himself back to that second-round pick status, but you're not having to pay that type of a price for him right now. Look, I love Diggs. I think Diggs are a great pick. I think Kamara McCaffrey Diggs is, is as good a start as you can find in, right. in, our, in the WWFC. It's really great. After that, Cooper, Garcon, Funches, I, can, I see the arguments for. I don't see me drafting Cooper. He's too really? inconsistent for me. I don't okay. trust Funches because everybody knows how much I hate Cam Newton. Uh, and I think adding DJ Moore there and Olsen there and McCaffrey. And I don't think I'd want to be McCaffrey Funches. I think that might be a problem. Garcon is interesting because, you know, Jimmy G is going to throw it to him. He's going to throw it to Marquise Goodwin. So I could get behind Diggs for sure. I get behind Garcon slash Cooper. I wouldn't have taken Funches. Let's see. I would have. T- I liked Anderson, Hogan, Williams, any of those three guys after that, even Will Fuller, Parker. I would have taken all those guys over Funches. Yeah, and, and I, not to spoil the surprise for all the, uh, the, the, <clears throat> the people who are wanting to dig into the Scout Fantasy draft kit, but uh, Sean Child's projections are also part of this. You get the Rain Man's projections in the draft kit, and the, the, not to bury the lead, but he has Cooper Cup as wide receiver 10. And everything, <laughs> when, I watched, when, when I watched Cooper Cup last year, I was like, my God, this guy, it's just fun to watch the way he plays and, and he's flying all over the field and, and just doing the little things. And you, you see, you know, him now being going off the board at wide receiver 21, as it is right now, uh, finished at wide receiver Look, 25. I, I like Cooper cup more than the next guy. And I respect Sean Childs imminently in this business. I mean, he is that good, but man, that's really high. I yeah. mean, that's, well, I don't, I don't know, dude. You know, look, I, I love Sean. We talk all the time, and he, he's got a great read on players. And speaking of our packages, you know, our DFS package, Sean does the, the, the numbers and the optimizer. And there are right. some weeks where he's picking out players that nobody's on except Alex Sean, Smith. and it's unreal. Yep. Yeah, yep. and it's unreal. And you're like, how did he know that? And he's just dead on. So I have all the, all the, all the credit in the world goes to him. That said – I would take Juju first. I would take Jeffrey first. I like Cup, but you've got Woods. You've got, you've got Cooks. You've got Gurley. There's a lot of mouths to feed, and I think Cooper Cup is consistent, but that, that's pretty high. Well, he goes for 83, 11, 50, and 9. So he finished his rookie year 62, 8, 60, and 5. So it's definitely, it's definitely a big boost. Uh, let, let's, let's see one other team here while I've got you on the phone. Uh, team Ferguson. Wayne Ferguson, pound for pound, starts off Bell, Evans, and then swings for the fences with Darius Geis. Talk about Darius Geis for a second. Maybe the Juju Smith-Schuster pick. Yeah, look, I, I, I like Bell. I, I have no problem with that. It's a great start. I mean, getting him at three. Evans, I certainly can live with. I don't love Evans. I would have taken Baldwin, though, over Evans, considering that Ryan Fitzpatrick is playing the first few games. I think that's an issue there. Mm-hmm. Um 
Geis is, Geis is interesting. I mean, he's a good player, but Chris Thompson's still there. Uh, Alex Smith is still there. I, I, look, I, I always love aggressive picks. So in that pocket of Howard, Penny, Collins, those are the guys who went next. I don't think Geis is any worse than those guys. So, you know, more power to him. I just am not sure he's better than those guys. So, and I worry that they're going to take him out on obvious passing downs. So that's my biggest problem there with him. But look, could he get a thousand yards and 10 touchdowns? Absolutely. And then more power to, to team Ferguson. You know, look, you watch the games like I do on Sundays. We're glued to our TVs. We're trying to watch every play of every game. And I can't turn down Jordan Howard uh, for that pick, even though I know what the coaching staff wants to do with Tariq Cohen. I love him. And, but I watched every, if you watched bear games, you watched exciting ground games from these running backs, Tariq Cohen and Jordan Howard, both. There were at least a half a dozen times watching Chicago Bears play football this year where Jordan Howard was injured, writhing in pain. And I'm like, oh, boy, Tariq Cohen's going to – you know, I've got him on my lineup. He's going to get a lot more – and then all of a sudden, the next drive, Jordan Howard's back on the field. And I'm like, I don't – what's going on? How – is this guy Superman or something? Or is it just because he's writhing in pain over there? And he's a tough – he's a tough SOB. He finished with 276 carries. He's going to get his, man. He's good. Oh, he's really good. And I mean, look, in the cold weather in Chicago, you want the ball in his hand. When, when it's icy on the grass and, and you can't get yeah. footing, Tariq Cohen's not going to be as good as Jordan Howard. So, yeah. uh, look, I, I think that people are uh, – Cohen's a really good player. But Howard yeah. is a special player. He's the kind yeah. of guy who gets 20 touches a week. And at the end of the day, to win fantasy football championships, you have to touch the football. If you don't touch yeah. the football, your guys don't put up yards. You don't put up yards. You don't put up points. You don't put up points. You don't win. So, I, I, have, I mean, Howard and Geis are very similar to me in that they're both going to not catch many passes. But I do like the upside with Howard just a, a bit more. I think that Bears offense is sneaky. <laughs> Tariq Cohen, five six one eighty, dude, five six one eighty. Uh, give me, give me an over under on his catches. Last year he had fifty three catches. What, what do you, what do you think he does with Nagy this year? Sixty three, and I'll tell you this: he had okay. so many catches the first three weeks. Everybody loved him, and then they, John Fox just refused to use him because he wasn't good in pass protection. I yeah. don't care. This guy is electric. You need him on the field. It was basically the biggest mistake they made. And here was the problem. Cohen couldn't play because Trubisky played. They had to choose one or the other because they couldn't have a, guy, a rookie quarterback and a guy with bad pass protection. So at that point, they had to take Cohen off, off the field. I get it, and you've got to get Trubisky in, but if you want to win, you need Trubisky and Cohen. So I think I'll give you 63, and you know what? I may take the over in Vegas. Yeah. He's the closest thing to Darren, uh, you know, Darren Sproles, if not maybe even quicker. You know, uh, he just, he just, he just he built the same and everything. It's just really fun to watch. Doc, uh, last, last thing here. Tell everybody what you've got going on with the draft kit and all of the series that you're going to be doing this year on the Scout Fantasy. Yeah, I'm very excited. So beginning next week, I know Sean Childs writes his huge team outlooks. I do my fantasy previews in a nutshell. I'm going to be getting that next week. Every team, you're going to see a preview. You're going to see a podcast preview. So if you don't want to read it and you want to listen to it on your car, and then, of course, during the season, I've got my prescription notes, waiver wire pickups, visionary plays of the week. I mean, look, I totally love what we do at ScoutFantasySports.com. I work with guys like Adam Ronis and Sean Childs and you and Ian and Delima, guys who really love and know the game. If you're not signing up with us, I don't know why you, what, what, what you're waiting for. You want to win? You've got to find us. 
Yeah, absolutely, man. And we want to we want to expand the team. We're we're in. I mean, I don't know if everybody knows, but we're we're in expansion mode. We're in. We just acquired FF Champs as a site. Bill Enright, uh, it, it, for all those guys that uh, have followed FF Champs over the year, excellent. He puts together all that stuff over at FF Champs with his team over there. Uh, we acquired GPP Master, and we want to expand the team. We we're basically saying to the FFWC players, please, please be a part of what we're doing. Let's get your stuff. Let's get it out there and start helping players because the community is growing. And I know if, and I know Doc feels this, but on Sunday mornings, there's no way you can answer all the questions that people have on Sunday mornings on the message boards. It's just, it's just not possible. It's not humanly possible. We need more guys helping out and, and getting on the boards and being a part of it. It's just, it's just what we do. Right. I mean, it's, we want to, we're, we're, we want to, it is. And win. you know what people always say, how do I join scout fantasy? And I always have one word for them. Win. Show yep. us your winner. Show us that you win leagues. And I'd love to have you on our team. I mean, I, I want, I want people out there to win their leagues and I want people who work for us to be able to help them do that. So, I mean, Bill Enright's a great guy. I love getting FF champs is one of the great old sites. So, I, I mean, I'm really excited about what we're offering this year. Uh, blame para. I think, yeah, I think, I think we're talking to you, buddy. All right. Dr. Roto, thank you for being here, buddy. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Talk soon. Bye-bye. And you'll get to see doc in Vegas at the beat Dr. Roto draft. And he'll also be in the lobby with the doc. And I know you, everybody wants a shot to uh shot to, should take on Doc and shut him up. Hey, it's a great draft, guys. Uh, we've got uh, – let's see what we have here left in the program. Uh, they're giving me another three minutes on air, so let me see if I can't uh, look at this team. I really like what Havelinas did with this draft. I think he absolutely nailed it. Cam Newton, Matt Stafford combo. Kurt, Kyle Rudolph and Vance McDonald combo. That's fantastic as well. Both of those guys are underrated uh at those draft slots no way Vance McDonald should be a 15th round guy he is the guy there Kyle Rudolph gets Kirk Cousins this year and he's still in eighth round I mean what more does this guy have to do to get uh to get a little love in fantasy football circles he finished as as tight end eight with Case Keenum okay all right and with 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 a couple of other uh quarterback rotations so I definitely like that don't forget that Teddy Bridgewater is the best quarterback the New York Jets have on the roster. Uh, that is something for you to remember because Robbie Anderson is the number one wide receiver in the league. Uh, getting drafted at wide receiver 36 right now in the sixth round, way too late. Uh, Sham of Cali, David Johnson, Devontae Freeman, Jordan Howard, love that start. Cooper Cup, Brandon Cooks, Robbie Anderson, Devontae Parker, uh, solid with Jack Doyle and Andrew Luck. He is going to be a contender this year. Let me let me let me mark it down right now. Sham Hanish going to be a contender this year. I think Havelinus is going to be a contender. Let's take a look at Canadian geese real quick. Brown, Green Hill, Ronald Jones. Okay, does he think Ronald Jones is safe? We saw a safe draft last year. Does is Ronald Jones safe? Maybe he is. Jimmy Graham, Russell Wilson. Evan Ingram, I love, I love the Graham-Wilson-Ingram combination. I love Marquise Goodwin in the ninth round. You really did a good job, brother. He's going to be a contender again. Obviously, he gets an automatic contender uh, title for winning it three years in a row. you got to dethrone Blaine, Blaine, Blaine Para, Canadian geese. And don't be surprised, I'm telling you right now, if Blaine Para isn't helping you win your leagues this year at Scout Fantasy Sports, that's all the time I got, guys. It's been a great draft here. I love getting it back. I wish Mike would have been able to call. He had a busy birthday party to, at the bar tonight. Uh, otherwise, he would have came on and been a part of it. But we love you. 
Good luck with the rest of the draft. Let's bring it home and be on the lookout. We're going to have some articles breaking down this draft, uh, the red versus blue annual draft here at Scout Fantasy. We'll see you now. Take care. You've been listening to Red versus Blue Sports Talk Radio, where Planet Red and Big Blue Nation collide. With your hosts, Scott Atkins and Michael Trent. Please join us next time.